This is Keelan, and you're about to listen to Homebrew Quest. This is just a quick note to let you know that we're also over on YouTube, and, uh, you know, you can actually see us, should you ever wish to. Now, on with the show. As famed dungeon master Andrea Kor once said, when goading her barbarian player into attacking, so go on, go on, come on, make it reckless. Hey, welcome to Homebrew, the show where we avoid the crushing dullness of everyday life using our two favorite forms of escapism, alcohol and Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you might notice something a little bit different about today's show. It's double trouble. We're joined by Orly Nidul. Hey, Orla, how's it going? Oh, no, she's muted. <laughs> I was a little muted, but I'm back. Um, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. It's been a while. We haven't seen each other since the world's locked down, but I hopefully you're it's, okay. It's it's true. And, I, you know, I told you that I'd be really busy from March. I, I just didn't tell you what I was going to do. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's fair. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. And and we're we're also joined by by Wes. Uh, keen fans of the show will realise that at certain moments during our loose and and rambling plot, uh, both Wes and Orla's characters got bamfed away to who knows where. That's what this show's about. Um, by Hawk, the Wall Magic Sorcerer. It was just a really handy way for me as a DM to be like, oh, players aren't here for a while, <laughs> or to. Uh, to pull the, I guess, just to pull the bandage off and saying goodbye to Orla as a guest. We just, I didn't want to do it. So we just decided <laughs> we'd be like, nah. <laughs> you did, you did make it difficult for me to leave without there being a magical reason because we got there and it seemed like we were going to have this like nice pint and a goodbye. And then you're like, oh no, Hook's in awful pain and looks like he's dying. And I'm like, well, why would I get back on the boat at this? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, <laughs> it had to be. Anyway. Yeah, it had, to be, it had to be like some sort of teleportation nonsense. We often find with, uh, with this show that my plans as a DM, i.e. the things I write down months ago, where it's like, when Hook gets stripped, trigger this thing. Um, clash with the real world way you need to react to mid-game uh, and boy am I a stickler to the things I've written down on paper so <laughs> very very true um, I, let's go yeah let's do a couple of announcements before we jump into the adventure proper if you are a fan of handcrafted dice trays dice vaults towers if you like uh, shiny clicky clacky dice you can head over to Dakota Irish which you should see on our overlay and enter the promo code homebrew10 to get 10% off at your first order. If there is, I, I ordered some dice there the other day for basically we like to just gift our guests a set of dice from Dakota Irish and I ordered some there and the code wasn't working for me. <laughs> so if you have problems, get in touch with ourselves or Dakota, we'll sort it out. I'm sure it was just one of those things where it might just expire and uh, I know the main boss man is currently on holidays. So look, uh, small shows, uh, small to medium, small businesses, I guess, helping each other out and doing the best they can. So be patient with both of us as, as we get you those, uh, those sweet, sweet orders. Um, you also might have noticed that we did start a, a coffee account. If you enjoy this show and if we provide any level of escapism or entertainment, you could show your support by uh, buying us something worth the price of a coffee. What we do, because we kind of only do this every two weeks as like a little thing, um, we actually just pull that all up and donate it to a charity we really believe in. And that charity is Maasai, the movement of asylum seekers in Ireland. For any international viewers or any Irish people potentially, 
just avoiding the news for, for, for health reasons. Um, Maasai aim to end direct provision. What's direct provision, you ask? I'll tell you, I say. Uh, direct provision was a short-term solution to provide shelter for asylum seekers. But as with a lot of these things, it's been going on far too long and it's run by for-profit companies. So there's like a vested interest outside of basic human needs to keep them going. And that is bad. Uh, Maasai strive to end direct provision, be a voice for asylum seekers, and we want to help them and support them in that. And if you like this, um, you can help us help them. Or just, you know, donate to them directly as well. There's also that option. <laughs> if you're watching on demand, it's not just something live, but if you do donate live, you might see one of those cool little gadinkadinks that pop up on the on the coffee notification. Um, I always like doing it. It gives me that sweet internet buzz. I'm like, oh, sweet, I exist. <laughs> so so it is a nice, it's a little nice fuzzy feeling. Um, right, that's enough of me. What are we drinking? Uh, Wes, what are you currently sipping on before we dive into the adventure? Um, I am back on the White Hag. Uh, this very moment I'm sampling Hopstravaganza, which is a very colourful can, which took me took me heart. Uh, I've got a few other White Hags to go through this evening. Uh, they all look quite delicious. They're all new ones to me. Oh, nice. You might have noticed, if you follow us on social media at Home request, you might have noticed on Twitter... Hopstravaganza, that can that Wes is drinking, is part of their birthday celebrations. They do a big festival every year. And what I uh, tried to do was drink all the beers that they sent out and then also try to come up with a like fantasy adventure based on them. So you'll see Nonsense Ramblings a bit two weeks ago on our Twitter page. That explains that, in case that uh, gives any guidance. But uh, great, great beer company and wonderful celebration. And that beer... Boy, if I remembered it, I'd tell you it was good. I, I'm almost certain it was tasty, but I was many cups deep. It's very enjoyable. I'm always wary of the percentages, especially after Gav uh, in the last episode just wandering into his into the room of his uh, the other room where his girlfriend was, and just immediately said he was drunk. It was what nine percent beer, ten percent beer he was drinking. Yeah, he went for the uh, the kind of heftier side. At some point, is that not just wine? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But mm, it was a small can. Yeah. He seemed to enjoy it. Orla, what are you uh, what are you sipping? What do you bring to the table? Uh, I have an old favorite, you know, just a standard, your bog standard or two thieves is what I've got. Because I, I had, I got myself at the beginning of lockdown, a truly beautiful box of craft ciders from all over Ireland. And I really, lads, I really wanted to save a bottle to drink on. <laughs> I did. I tried. It almost, I almost, one almost made it all the way, but I drank them all. When your only recreational activity is drinking, it's kind of fair that it didn't last. So... Don't feel too bad. What I'm drinking is basically a nameless bottle that I picked up from a pub because I fell into that same trap of being like, there's delicious beers in my fridge, and I drank most of them. Uh, so, so what <laughs> we're going to do is, is we're going to pretend that instead of this bottle of Orchard Thieves from the Spar, that this is a beautiful bottle of uh, Johnny Down from Kilhora Orchards, uh, which mm -hmm. I cannot currently purchase in this entire county and or province. You can't even we get will, in the... Yeah, we'll hunt it out. Leinster. Jesus. Nope. Can't find a supplier in Leinster. Jesus. <laughs> that is... Uh, it becomes a secret hunt. I guess if you're watching live, the scavenger hunt begins. No, it's... I mean, I really <laughs> like their cider, but it's a classic monster thing. They don't think they need to leave monster. You know what I mean? They're just like, yeah, oh, yeah, we'll just sell to people in Tipperary and Cork. And like, what to, can the rest of the county do? Just like, go wait, is what they can do, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go down well. But Johnny Fallen, what a name. 
like I, I, I'm going to search it out just in general next time I'm anywhere. Just be like, where is this cider? I need it yeah, for the show. It's it's pretty um, great. And they do like um, they do two different types. There's like a lighter one and a darker one. They're both really good. Nice, 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 nice. Um, I will. Yeah, I'm, dr I'm drinking nameless, uh, nameless uh, hooch from a bottle. Um, which explains this intro so far, but I do have beers <laughs> at the table. I have Dark Arts by Trouble Brewing, uh, both lovely names to play with. I do have another White Hag, big fans of White Hag on the show because their names are delightfully on uh, on topic. Bian Gulben, it's an Irish sour uh, named after Ben Bulben or Bian Gulben, I guess. Um, and then also I show it to, to both Orla and Wes before the show, Hickey the Rake. <laughs> which is what a name uh, that's by Willem over in the UK so I like how we've moved past you enjoying the flavour of these beers it's all down to what how good is the name <laughs> it's I all mean the name. I'm not judging I'm I'm, I'm getting there <laughs> the other one that I can get in Leinster that I did also I'm going to bring it if I ever play with you guys again this is the next one right and it's High Bank Medieval Cider and it Ooh. has a picture of like a woman with a sword on a big bridge. It's very dramatic. Ooh. Yeah. I like so this. That's I prefer my low evils and my high evils, but my medievals, hmm, I could be swayed. Mm. Uh, if it's the first time watching the show, which I guess it could be for a lot of people, um, what we do is we play a game of Dungeons and Dragons, but we also, why were we talking about booze? Well, we sort of help inspire the story uh, by the beers we drink at the table. So the guys might come across a character called Johnny Faldown. Uh, there might be a few white hags that pounce on them from the distance. Uh, maybe there's a festival called the Hopstravaganza happening. Or indeed, it could just be Nameless Swill from our local and friendly pub, The Tap House. I say Swill, it's actually a really nice beer. I just don't have a label for it. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> and I'm not a good beer taster, so I can't even tell you what style it is. It's just beer. Um, before we dive into the show, because it's it's uh, it's been a long one. Hey, we had some catching up to do. Um, I want to say a huge thank you to our tech team. Our Technomancers behind the stream are Paul and Angus. Angus actually hasn't been with us for a while because he normally does the sound and we just haven't figured it out. How long have we been in lockdown? Too long. Could you have sorted your shit? Yes, we could have. We didn't. Uh, but Paul is here. Paul is behind the camera. You probably see him on screen sometime right now. He is our oracle behind the screens and he's keeping the show running. Why, you ask? We, we ask it too. Um, now, without further ado, grab yourself a drink, pull up a chair, as we dive into a world where anything is possible, but not always probable. Welcome back to the realm of Hibernia. And imagine, if you will, a knotted, twisted, wooden throne growing from the ground in the center of a long chamber, lit by flickering braziers. And upon this throne sits a king, Lu Lavada, one of the first high kings of this land. And we see them, and all of a sudden time begins to move rapidly around them. We see audiences come before the king. We see decisions both gentle and brutal. We see the acceptance of the migrating elves and the passing of responsibility from one ruler down to the next, each chosen by Leah Fall, the Stone of Destiny a solid hunk of rock protruding from the ground a short distance from the seat of the high kings and queens. And if you do look it up, yeah, it's very phallic. <laughs> it's just a giant, giant dick in the ground, and that's how we chose our rulers. Hey, ancient Ireland, am I right? Anyway. A giant dick shouted at them. 
<laughs> You're the king. That's how big time. So now dub thee by tapping either shoulder. Actually, that's actually no, no, thank you. I'll just do I'm it myself. Back. We see hopefuls lining up, stepping up to the stone, wishing it will sing in celebration and coronation, naming them the rightful heir. But this only lasts a short few generations as the world begins to shrink and hide away from the corruptions of the Black Hand. All efforts to keep the land united fall to decay. And for a while, no ruler at all is chosen. The path to the stone becomes too treacherous. It's filled with perils beyond your wildest fears. That is until an old elf, there in the times of Lou, who has seen the passing of kings and queens, sets out for the stone in search of wisdom, in search of the answers needed to save his people far off in a darkened land from the scourge that sent them eastward all those generations ago. This elf, he did not expect a coronation, for he is not of this land. Only the guidance it is said that Leah Fall will offer its chosen. And yet, months after grueling travel, stepping up to the stone raised on a platform atop a large hill, it begins to glow. Ripples of golden energy spark through the cracks and crannies made over time, and just as every ruler before him, he was given a choice. The wisdom, the patience, the leadership qualities of all those who ruled before them. And in return, when he passes from this world, he would join this cycle and offer his learnings to those next in line. But that was then. And this is now where we find ourselves nowhere, out of place and out of time, some moments away from a happenstance meeting between two very sexy, sexy adventurers. This is normally where we do a recap, but... Um, both time and space has separated us. We could do a double recap uh, moments before each of your bamfinings, should you wish. Yes. Uh, the yeah, bamfinings. The bamfinings. Uh, Quail, we last left you on the docks of Drit. Uh, just fill the audience in on what, what happened there. So I had met a group of unusual and kind of loud folks. And I had, because they had helped out people who had helped me, Quail has a particular kind of honor code. So she decided that she would give them a ride to Drake since this seemed to be the main problem that they had at that moment in time. And she had a fast boat. So, you know, it seemed like a pretty simple operation. Um, how complicated could giving people like it's basically a, a two day sale or a three day sale or whatever. Like simple, right? Easy way to pay them back for all the work they'd done for the town. Nope. Um, there were, there was, there was, there was a marrow. I, I snogged uh, like a siren, basically. Then there was, um, we just murdered like so many pirates. Like we just straight up snuck up on them on the middle of the night. Like we swam onto their boat and we murdered them. And then, then we burnt their boat. And then we joined a different pirate boat. And like everyone was telling very unplausible lies. So then Quail, who was kind of a little bit in love with the captain, just told her the truth, and so then Quail was her favorite. At least that's Quail's memory of how that happened. <laughs> um, Arlington may have a different version of events. And then, uh, there, yeah. So then they um, were in a fighting pit. There was a fighting pit, um, and then they were offered the opportunity to leave. So and then Quail was going to drop the others off in Drift and go back to rejoin this pirate troop because it was actually all a bit complicated and some of the pirates were actually kind of fighting a just cause 
that Quail kind of understood. Um, but when they got there, instead of going for their quiet good, you know, goodbye for now pints, um, Puck had a uh, Hook, Puck, Hook had a nervous breakdown in the middle of the street and um Yeah, you, you sort of had a um as as Chad is saying, the hookening happened. Um, which an involuntary Irish goodbye was foisted upon you as you were turned into yeah. leaves and glitter and smoke and and the sort of feyish wrappings of of delight, and then you disappeared away. Um, like a certain movie franchise where loads of people go. Uh, and, and Arlington. Is this unsimilar? Very similar? How similar is this to, uh, I guess, just pick us up where, where Quail left off. We can fly through it because this is this is covering, I guess, episodes as in catch up 13 the whole to now. Between then and now. Yeah. <laughs> At least the exciting bits. The, 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 the chase of the hound is uh, a couple of fan I'll, I'll do the I'll do the abridged version. Uh, we found out Hook has ghosts in his blood, so we had to go find a haunted tree to save him. Went there, found Shadow Hook there, uh, shrank down to the size of very small things, uh, and I got there first because I'm the strongest and the fastest, uh, ready to ready to square off against Shadow Hook, and then uh, Hook, the most powerful creature in existence, accidentally sneezed and removed me from reality. That's more or less. Where, oh, and I died before that. He blew me up with a fireball. He might be a god. <laughs> Which is handy, because if you're caught last episode, they, they are, uh, you know, they have come face to face with an archfake. You might need that sort of raw firepower mm-hmm. and channel it towards one singular cause. Maybe you won't. Who knows? It's not me. He's small. Make like a wrist-mounted halfling, you know, uh, The channeling. Gun. The channeling is the problem. Mm. Yeah. It's the problem. It's the, We need roads. We need a an arcane organization called the eu to come in and focus <laughs> our directions <laughs> with a with a an injection of uh of reasonability yeah anyway that's that pretty much um if look if, if we missed anything you let us know i, I think that's pretty comprehensive as a catch-up um so I mean, we'll go straight in. in between but like you know that's the gist yeah you got the sky tigers uh but that's a tale for another day um and so we pick up Arlington, you're lying down. You're alone. You instinctively raise your hands to block the glare of, of the sun. There's no light. You realize you're bobbing. You're floating in water. And this realization becomes quite urgent as you feel yourself tilting. And that light is blocked out by a large wave cresting over you. Hmm. Okay. Uh, is the water cold? Does it feel like seawater? I think. Does feel like seawater? Yeah. Um. Definitely. Definitely saltier than a freshwater. Um. Okay. It's not too uh, cold. It's not too. You feel like you've been here a while. Okay. Uh. So it feels like a wave. A wave is is blocking out the. Mm. Can I see how it, high it's cresting over? Like, does it look like I'm? I'm about to get smushed <laughs> <laughs> if you do nothing quite possibly okay <laughs> uh you've kind of a mere reaction almost to to sort of set about the the series of dominoes of fates ahead of you cool um shit i guess i swimming up the wave is probably a bad idea I just get slammed back down 
Um, mm-hmm. This is one of my personal fears. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do in this. So uh, as this wave crashes over, we'll say for the for the sense of narrative flavor, it does get so close to pushing you down. And, and it's in this moment where you're kind of submerged underwater um, that you can you can sort of orientate yourself. Yeah, I'd I'd say Arlington would would freeze in a panic and not actually know what to do. So that makes that makes sense. He probably wouldn't because he's not an aquatic creature. <laughs> Quite uh, the opposite. He's a bugbear. Yeah. Um, yeah. This this wave crashes into you and it plunges you quite deep down. And and for the audience's sake, we see Arlington, and Arlington is quite a large bugbear, long limbed, but but for a, a visual, it's just this tiny little shape deep in this sort of empty vacuum. And you can see the shimmering of the surface above, but but it's kind of where your sense of direction is coming in. It, that shimmering surface is just moving around you. You're not really too sure about which way to swim. Okay. Um, I Can I see under the water or is it too, is it very dark? No, you can see surprisingly well, actually. Um, I'm going to exhale a little bit of air, just like... Pfft, and try and see what direction the bubbles go and follow that. Very clever. Uh, roll a straight intelligence check. No, <laughs> wait, survival, survival. Survival makes sense. Survival. Right? You're surviving a situation. Uh, which you have advantage because you carry the lair skull axe. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. I don't think you've been using that, but but it's been there. For What does it give me advantage on? Wait. Uh, survival checks, as in basically knowing the direction and kind of making sure that you're always on a, a safe and steady path. Have I not been using that? I feel like I should have been. Uh, cool. I feel like okay. that nasty, nasty hook keeps uh, keeps jumping in with his feet and knowledge and stealing those survival checks. That's very... Now that he's not here, we can call him a nasty, yeah. filthy hook. <laughs> uh, didn't help hugely. I got a 10 with the bandage. Um, it's hard because this is quite a singular experience. It's likely your air bubbles don't know which direction to go. You've never seen them sort of go off in all these different places. And and out of curiosity, what is your intelligence score? Uh, I have a plus zero. So, but what's your what's the base? Uh, what's the base? Score? Oh, this, it's ten. Ten. Oh, great. So your movement is thirty feet in this place. Um, okay, that's an interesting correlation. Yeah, um, you. You have, what's your con modifier? Just so I know how long you can breathe con underwater. Modifier is plus two. So you can bleed for three minutes underwater. So quite a long time, um, cool. I think. One plus your con modifier is the amount of minutes you can breathe underwater. So you have a moment to sort of figure out what to do next. Um, 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 um. Okay, sorry. Can you describe what what was that rotating light thing, or was that was that just what I can kind of see because I'm spinning, or does it look like there's does it look like there's like a boat or a creature or something above that's got light around it? Um, it's because it's hard to decide where the surface is. Okay. Um, but in that in that brief moment, you do get the feeling that you have a choice. Okay, a choice of direction or. Yeah, you get to pick where the surface is. I don't follow. So you're saying my choice is like which direction to start swimming in? Like, Yes, or it's, it's a little bit confusing in that. Um, the confusion you're experiencing as a player is probably the confusion Arlington's experiencing as a character in this moment, in that there is no sense of direction here. 
There's no sense of gravity. There's no sense of um, sort of a physical constraint on wherever you are. Okay. Um, okay. I have a small bit of rope in my... Oh, no, I probably don't have time for that. No, I don't have time for that. Okay, I'm going to let go of the... I'm going to let go of my trick axe, not the layer skull axe, my mundane regular one. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, like try and keep it within my hand while I let go to see what direction it kind of falls. Or is it, does it move kind of haphazardly or does it move in a specific direction? Or Yeah, um, you're making a kind of, in that you're making a decision in the same way that when you flick a coin up to decide heads or tails, while it's midair, you kind of know what you want. You kind of, you know what the result that is. And in that mm-hmm. moment as the axe sort of decides which way to fall, it then suddenly begins to fall to the right. And you know that the surface is to your left. So you're does, kind it, of... does it feel like it's floating for a second and then choosing a direction? Or does it feel like it's slowly moving it? Like, you know, what I'm, as in like, almost like gravity was deciding rather than it just taking a while to affect it. Um, almost as if gravity was deciding. Okay. Uh then, yeah, I'll grab the trick axe back and I'll swim the exact opposite direction to that. Nice. Um, you weren't you weren't pushed... You weren't pushed too far underwater by that gigantic wave. Uh, and as you break the surface and you begin to look all around you, it is just an endless sea. You are just in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And is it calm and, now or is it still kind of stormy or...? Well, interesting enough, as you have that thought, and almost as if your barbarian sort of instincts kick in, you know there's a wave coming up again behind you. And at mm. that moment in time, we'll cut to Quail. Quail, you've been here for some time. How long is hard to pinpoint? As you've yet to feel sort of the pangs of hunger or thirst or even sleep, everything here is just relentlessly similar. Um, for the audience's sake and, and for myself, physically or aesthetically speaking, or or just in general, has anything changed about quail since the last time we met? I mean, probably not really. Quail was always a bit bare bones, uh, you know. She was and and really kind of thin and gaunt looking at the best of times. Um, so she's probably just wearing the same like sleeveless tunic. Got her plats, put my plats in special. And that's, you know, <laughs> probably damper, you know, because she's not in her boat and so her fur is all damp. But, yeah. you know, but other than that, no, probably. Pissed off. But trying to, like, deal with it, like, stoically, but is pissed off. Mm. So to the to the eagle-eyed brows, slightly more furrowed than normal, but, but everything mm. else is fairly similar. You were standing um, on a sort of floating rock and around you, you see the endless crashing folding sea. As you made your way around this place and sort of got your bearings at times, you've been surrounded by sort of floating hills and mounds that seem to twist and turn on an individual axis. You've come across long stretches of thick green fields, some odd structures bobbing on the sea itself, like a giant sleeping amongst the rocks. And ever since arriving, your fishing rod has hummed, sort of reverberated slightly. And it's it's that sort of very slight shake. You didn't even notice it at first. It's like when you 
trace a finger across some skin and get a kind of slight like I don't know if you know that sensation but it's that kind of very slight shake and around that same time when you first noticed it you started to feel like you were being followed by something below in the sea so the first thing we will do is pretend that she can't see anything pretend that she doesn't notice anything is her her go-to position for most for most scenarios where she thinks she's being watched where she thinks she's being followed but you know her she's pretty perceptive so she wants to get mm -hmm. to a position where she can kind of see where she can kind of like more easily look around while pretending she's not looking around so she'd want to get somewhere like one of those rocks like one of those you know fields and and be doing something casual be pretending to stretch pretending to dry off pretending to like whatever but trying to get a sense of who's following her like changing directions suddenly or whatever just trying to get a sense of what might be following her absolutely make a uh make two rolls one like a perception check just to get a general kind of lay of the land uh, or and specifically this thing and then a stealth to see how sort of actually not even a stealth a performance I guess because you're kind of doing that like yeah Ooh. well I mean could it could it, could it be stealth it can, it be, it can stealth, be stealth though. yeah it can be stealth yeah, yeah. performance but. is all about <laughs> subtlety and nuance yeah. um, so the perception is 17 nice and the stealth oof not great nine yikes you get the feeling as you sort of, there's been times, and time has passed, and like, but there's been moments when you're trying to clock this thing, that you're like, it hasn't seen me. And then you're, there's moments where you're like, it's like when someone kind of scans their eyes through a crowd, locks eyes with yours, and then moves on, and you're like, did did they see me? <laughs> you don't know if they've clocked you. Um, but as you, as you gaze down upon it, it's, it's not... Um, it would be unfair to say it's an intelligent creature, but it's not a humanoid. It's not, um, it's it's definitely something, it's a creature or beast or, or some sort of element of this place that seems to be, it never approaches you, um, but just seems to be keenly interested. I mean, and it does it remind me of a sea creature that I would know, like, is it like a whale or like a seal or something? Um, make a nature check. Okie dokie. If it's a seal, this is about to get super cute. Um, <laughs> this is going to be super bad. It's uh, an eight. <laughs> nature um, could it be? I mean, if it was if it was survival, it would it would be a twelve. But it's an eight if it's nature. It is. It is nature. Uh, for any budding D heavens like myself out here, my notes say checks. Roll some dice. Do some checks. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's what we're doing here. We're having some fun with dice. Um, <laughs> it is. It is hard to. You feel like there's definitely something familiar about it, but it's out of place. As in, like, I know this thing, but, like, in the middle of a sea? That doesn't make <gasps> sense. And, and it's sort of moving with... <laughs> it's a dog! Um, it's, it's moving with the waves, so at times you're not sure if you're following it, or if you're following a wave, or it's, 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 its movement is very wave-like. Um, the thing it reminds you most of is, like, a dolphin. Yeah. But, but it looks nothing like a dolphin. Right, It okay. just moves like one. It's, it starts circling around um, 
your little rock, the last place, because you've kind of hopped around and you've kind of kept moving and just to see if you can get your bearings and, and figure out the logic of this world. And you've noticed at times that you can make, even beyond your, your trained and honed abilities, you can make unbelievable leaps from these islands, as if just thinking about somewhere will kind of glide you to that place. Um, and it's one day when you're kind of sitting there, kind of contemplating or, or scowling, um, that <laughs> this creature seems to be sort of just circling you, and you hear distinctly a whinny. Like a very obvious, like, Whoosh. So, I mean, it's been following me for a, what feels like a really, really long time. And it hasn't yeah, tried to hurt me. No. So, Quail thinks it's probably not a predator, because she's been alone. You know, like, if it was a predator, it would have made a move by now. Like, maybe it was waiting for her to sleep, but it's clear that nobody sleeps here, so... You know, so she's gonna kind of... Wait, if if she's on the rock, she's gonna wait for it to, like, be on the back of the rock, and then, like, lower herself really quietly into the water, and try and, like, meet it head-on. Yeah. Yeah, you make your way down, and, and are you submerging yourself, or are you just kind of staying on top of the water? Where, where well, do you want it, to be? D- it depends how deep I saw it, you know, so, like, I mean, I would just go, like, you know, up to my chin if I think that would mean I could still see it, but mm-hmm. if I think it's really, really deep, then I would go all the way under. It depends. It sort of moves in this in this way that, like, with the waves, it kind of leaps over the water and then back under and leaps over again, and as, as you kind of lower yourself down, and it's sort of like a like actually like a wave uh <laughs> moving around you feel like um you could either stay on top and it will leap almost into you or you could like beat it at the pip it at the post and then like submerge down and kind of confront your face on no I'll, I'll wait for it to crash into me cool um out of the water as as the kind of foam of the start of a wave begins to bubble and then it kind of builds up, you start to see the very distinct sign of of what is a, a horse, pure white, almost translucent at times. It's the color of the crest of a wave, that kind of lovely pure white mixed in with that kind of grayish blue. And it's seemingly capable or copable yeah, <laughs> uh, of uh, oh. galloping across the sea. Um, and it does, it leaps out and you almost get hit by surprise that it starts, but it, it, it is unable to um, course correct as it is coming head first, horse second uh, I wanna, <laughs> towards you. I want to, I want to, I want to shenanigans this a little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I would like to do is as it's going to pretty much crash into me, like I can see it coming for me and it's, it's clearly too close for it to slow down. I want to like, da- like, kind of dodge and put my arm out and like Legolas swing onto its back. Ooh. Absolutely. Um, I've always wondered about this because on the one hand, it's definitely a dexterity based maneuver. For on sure. the other hand, like the phrase animal handling could not be more apt to this exact thing. No, <laughs> so... I see, no if I was trying, I think I would have to make one next after I'm on the horse, but yeah. I think to As get on to the buck, horse. Buck, gotcha. yeah, yeah. See yeah. if you yeah, can yeah, stay yeah. on there. Yeah, so I would agree. Is... Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, acrobatics for sure. And then we'll see if it's, uh, we'll do a little mini game where you have to move your controller sticks and the way the horse moves, because that's horses, right? Yeah, hasn't been enough hammering X in this campaign okay, yet. Okay, so that's yeah. only a 12. I was really hoping for better. I've got a plus seven. I really thought it was going to be better. 
I mean, it's perfect for me. Um, Only you, try a 12. To, you try to grab a hold of this as if it's a normal organic material plane horse and something about its water translucent thing, you just like burst right through it and you kind of like, you disperse the horse. <laughs> oh my God, I've killed the horse. Quail is honestly <laughs> devastated. <laughs> and as you kind of splash down under the water, you, you sort of try to adjust yourself and you see in front of you this horse um, forming, trying to put itself back together. And and it is like booking like a horse startled because one, it did not expect to see you there despite being fascinated with you for some time. And then two, it's just got, you know, it, it got its own version of Bamps. You, you didn't um, bump, bump that okay, horse. Okay, so, so now she's just trying to calm it down like... You know, and here's that good old fabled animal handling. I would say you have this with advantage because because the horse is somewhat um, already in good spirits, or was the, the longer term relationship you have with this horse, despite the recent social faux pas. Oh, thank Christ! Finally, a good roll. Okay, so that is um, twenty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you approach the horse um, very calmly. You're kind of going through the lessons in your own head because. Um, both for myself and the audience, quail's experience is endless on the sea. But when it comes to land and farming and horse animals and domesticating, where do you think, like, where do you think this this instinct to camel horse comes from? Probably from like more like from wild horses or wild animals. So probably like before she was a fisherman, before she dealt with McKellar, she lived in the wild. So she was probably used to like boar and deer and maybe some wild horses. Um, so like she would have dealt with wild animals before, um, and she's good with wild animals. Like animals understand her when she talks. She knows this. She doesn't, you know. But she just sort of like is used to calming them down. She figures this horse can't be so different. It it is it is a good instinct, and it is it's your it's your knowledge or experience with kind of the wilder creatures of Ivernia, and even your your patience as a monk that like someone else who mightn't be as as green as you are in the situation might move accidentally at the last point to you know and startle the horse like one of those wire games where you think you're at the end and then oh you just miss it but you you keep your patience and you keep your steady hand and you reach out and the horse kind of dips its head and you get to you know you get to give a little scratch yeah I'll scratch its nose back to arlington arlington you burst through the surface of the sea for what seems like the next time. As in you don't know how many times it has just crashed you down. You've had to do this axe trick and you get really good at it. You're like, down, axe, up. How, is this, how does this world work? <laughs> down, axe, up. Uh, it's like you're grinding at this one part of a game where you're like, you're really good at it now, but it's not any more infuriating. So, or, so Quail's over on some island playing Detroit Become Human, and I'm stuck playing Dark Souls in the middle of the ocean doing the same thing over and over yeah. again. Um, but this time, um, as you come back up, and and you've tried to second guess the wave. It's like every time you come up, you're like, came from behind last time. Gotta smart the sea. This wave. And the sea is just like, you get the feeling it's playing a game. A game it never tires of. Drown the people. That's the sea's favorite game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this time you hear the distinct galloping sounds of a horse galloping instead of a wave. Uh, and Quail, as you carve your way across the sea and you started to follow the gentle hum of your fishing rod towards mm -hmm. what is a large earthy mound floating in the sky, you see something bobbing in the water ahead. 
there's no check needed for what this is. Yeah. Okay. But I, yeah, I'd, I'd steer my new friend towards it. Hmm. I've been trying to talk to them. Do they ever talk back? Um, only because this is a real horse. And by real, I mean a real <laughs> fake horse. I don't believe this horse can talk. Okay. Um, I speak elvish anyone... and giant, if that helps. I mean... Is it a I mean, very big does. horse? That might Is also it a really fall? big horse? <laughs> it's a giant elven horse. How did you know? Um, <laughs> no, this is Einvar. Uh, this is Einvar, Manonek McLear's horse, capable of galloping across the sea. Anyone who knows Irish mythology would know Einvar from anywhere, uh, used in such things as Frozen 2 and the Guinness ads. Um, so... <laughs> Classic. I, maybe it was Guinness. Maybe it was I never thought to ask what color the sea is. Are we in a sea of Guinness? <laughs> it's creamy on top and pure stout down the bottom. A pint of sea is your only man. Um, <laughs> the no, it's a regular colored Irish sea. I presume not. Not all seas are the same color around the world, but ours are kind of like this. Uh, sometimes perfect, lovely, bright greeny blue. Other times, real murky gray, uh, and then a lot of times just kind of white. We have a very. We have a very. Not sparkly sea. I don't know why, sure. actually. It's murky. It's a murky sea. It's a high sediment yeah. content. That would be lines. it. You brought this yeah, question yeah. to the right person, actually, in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> the internet. No, I mean, or not. Um, but, yeah. You, you, also the weather. It is, it's, it's Einvar. Einvar, the, the horse. Everyone knows Einvar. Yeah, well, okay. Well, then the horse can understand quail, even if quail can't understand the horse. Yes, because you, as a fearbolg, as can, a fearbolg, I can talk to animals, but they can't necessarily talk to me. That sounds like such a curse of a racial trait. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically I can say to them like I'm not going to hurt you, but it doesn't mean I can magically make an animal be able to talk. Okay, it just means if I'm talking, animals yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm basically a Disney princess. If you could give like non non-verbal communication, but if there's anything you could learn in a in a in a Disney sense, like as your animal companion, like what sort of communication is you have you like there's times where you're just sitting on islands together, just like chilling, like what little games have has Quail and Aimbar come up together? Um definitely like who can jump to the next island best, but also like he'll swim around really fast and Quail will try and jump on his back. And like if she gets on his back, she wins, and if she falls in the water, he wins. Very clever. That thing that you failed at before, suddenly there's a plot reason why you're really good at it now. <laughs> and you are really good at this. <laughs> yeah, you have. Hey, you tell me, you tell me, you're, you're like, uh, you've been winning more often than you've been losing recently. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's, it is still, it, definitely it's, it's improved. The whole being trapped in an endless sea of nothingness thing. Still, it's starting to wear a little thin, even with company. Mm. Fair, 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 fair. And thankfully, uh, be it Driftwood or your old friend Arlington, something's in your way. <laughs> can I can I see Quail cresting over the crashing waves? Yeah, it is bizarre. Um, <laughs> like after after what seems like seconds and months of being drowned, um, <laughs> this is the oddest sight <laughs> imaginable. Uh, Preempting. Actually, sorry. Let me. That's unfair in Arlington. Arlington, roll a, roll a, I guess an intelligence saving throw. Maybe not uh, an Arcana. I mean, or an I know you're trying to be more fair, but making me roll an intelligence saving throw is actually not fair. 
I didn't I didn't make your sheet. Oh, right? except I got a <laughs> natural twenty. Nice. You figured out that thinking is how you move here. Uh, <laughs> and and it is so you, you have you've kind of just been like, okay, I, I just at that moment you're like thinking. I've been using my brawn, and when really my lesson is my brain. Um and and it's pretty satisfying. Actually, because because as Arlington, as Arlington and your and your kind of ragey second personality, this is one of those moments where you're like, oh, I like being smart, and the audience doesn't need to know how long it took you to come to this conclusion because you I like. Think it being took, I think it took an embarrassingly long time, <laughs> but you critted and you're like, that's it. Yeah, I think it's like yeah, like moment, but I think I think it <laughs> took a while for Arlington to come to that realization because he's never had to. I don't think he's ever solved a problem with his brain before <laughs> Fair. not that he's unintelligent just it's so effective smashing shit that he's never had to and is there anything that like that might trigger that thought for arlington um like it's a tasty crit so we can kind of delve into like yeah. oh a learning moment when i used to be drowned as bullying uh, <laughs> uh oh oh okay so i think uh I think Arlington accidentally used the Lair Skull Axe to mm -hmm. find where he was going, and it actually got away from him. And he thought, he was thinking, shit, I can't let that get away from me. And then it propelled him forward towards the axe. And he felt the propulsion of moving. Like, he thought that he wanted to be towards that axe, and that's what moved him. I think that's what made him think. Like, losing his weapon in this foreign land is what was like, no, no, I, that can't happen. And it wasn't, can't use force to get it. Yeah, yeah, that is a lovely... That's actually a little moment where it's like the wave kind of pushes you down and and have all this this kind of habit of dropping an axe and and using it to decide where to go. This one time at a pure muscle memory, it's the Lair Skull Axe. And it sinks quicker than um than you'd want it to. Because it it, it knows all directions at all times. It's a thinking sentient axe that doesn't talk to you. Um, but it, and then you just fly through it. And I guess like Princess Leia towards the spaceship, you just like glide towards this axe. Uh, and that is your moment of realization. And it's at this exact moment in time where you crash over and instead of a wave, like you've solved the puzzle, a horse appears. <laughs> like I was waiting for you to level up this plane of existence to give you the next uh, seed of plot. Nice. So can I like stay on top of the water by thinking about it or how does, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. You can essentially fly at, at a, a regular speed. I'm going to stay, like, standing on the water as if it's a surface, so even though it's moving around, I'm, like, steady. Yeah. And, and so you two come to, to your happenstance meeting. Like, Quail is so relieved. She's just like, but, I mean, still, like, she's still, it's really hard to, like, tell emotions on Quail's face, but she's just like, Arlington, excellent. Yes, I, um... Control yourself, woman, you're delirious. I, sorry, it's been a very long, um, I think time it felt like it i'm i'm glad you're here i was worried you wouldn't be able to find me because i don't know where here is uh where are the others um i'm a little confused about that myself i was in a tree and there was a shadow and 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 then so much drowning um where do you know where this is i they they might be nearby but i i i i'm very confused did you know you I, can move by thinking here? You think and it happens. It's, uh, Quail lies and says yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> Quail also has an intelligence of 10. 
It was it was inherent, kind of like you know when you just know, like you don't question it. You're just like, oh yeah. yeah. That's Did fun. you yeah. intentionally put us in a plane of existence with the two stupidest characters in the whole company? I would like to honestly I'm say, wise. Yes, I didn't. I didn't know Quail's intelligence score, but I just knew that in fifth edition, intelligence is a dump stat. Yeah. It's so just, like, no matter who wizards. we put in here, really, it's yeah. Just yeah, wizards and wannabe wizards. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Fucking um, nerds. Or or rogues. Sometimes rogues have high inch for like investigation. Yeah, that's true. We're fucking Cobra Kai over here. Yeah, like I've got like I've got <laughs> a, a plus four to wisdom. So I think in that sense, how I'm flavoring it is that she was kind of doing it, but didn't really question it or think about it. So, and so it was Quail, like Quail is fully aware of how much she doesn't know. Oh yeah, but like didn't think about it at all. And then you were like, thought moves stuff, and Quail's like, yes. Yes, it does. Some I knew this, but I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Well, I know this now. Example, uh, you're a living example of that meme of like, how old were you when you realized this? I was today old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you just yeah. sort of always knew it, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. the word W uh, is two U's. W <laughs> blew my mind. As but as a person know. with that letter in their name, but I did bees. figure that out quite early. <laughs> yeah. But they, they look like these. Yeah, it was through French class that I learned to double V. And I was like, double V? But V is V. Double It wasn't even in English. I'm, I'm in, that's why this show goes off the rails so much. Because although Sorry. I write as a living, I can't speak. <laughs> I'm probably undiagnosed with something. Who knows? French. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm French. He's just French. Uh, oh, oui, oui, bon bon. Um, uh, okay, so are there any... Okay. What have you... You've been here a while, then? What? What is this place? Where? Where are? Is it just water? There's so much water. No, there are some rocks. I can show you. But well, you're the one who hasn't been in the endless sea of of nothingness and grey. So you tell me how long it's been. Um, well, uh, only about ten minutes, uh, or maybe two weeks. It's been. I'm not. Ten minutes or two weeks since I disappeared. No, you've been. Um, a year? It's not. No. What? Maybe a month. It's it's hot. I... Okay, Arlington. I'm gonna need you to focus. Uh, yes. Um. I I don't know. We it's... got to Driacht. Hook was hurt. Is Hook okay? Oh yes, he's 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 quite all right. Um, he's become a lot stronger. Um, I think he's why we're here. Um. Yeah, I did get that impression. Yes, the last thing I remember is feeling... I've, he hit me with a couple of spells, and they've started to feel familiar, and I think that's sort of what sent me here. I don't think it was intentional, but, uh, but he is effectively um, a nuclear warhead with hairy feet. So well, that's... I kind of thought that about him anyway. Well, you're more perceptive and wise than I am, I suppose. So, um, I'm not entirely sure... Where we go from here? What have you been doing this whole time? How have you how have you been surviving? I just want to do a like stand up on the horse like I'm a circus performer and do a <laughs> sick flip, and that's it. And I'm just like pretty much that. Well, um, very yeah, roll, a, roll a acrobatics. Um, there's only two results here: exactly that or crit fail. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how uh, sick is this flip? It's a sixteen. It's a sick flip. It is so sick. Like somewhere in the distance is like, 
Yeah, just like a full hand, like foot, like spring back onto her feet, still standing on the horse. More than like, more than fifty percent of our guests spend half the episode back flipping, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's it's a good, it's a neat little um, look. In a world where your imagination is your limit, why not backflip? That's the thing. It's the most unachievable goal. I'll never backflip. It's like I'm also taller than Wes in this game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it's like Quail is canonically a few inches taller than Arlington. Yeah. That's all I I really need. I'm going to pop this. It might cause problems. Who knows? It has in the past. So just bear with me. There are so many levels because I can't see what you're holding. It's, oh, it's oh, it's it, was, it was nothing at all. It was my oh. bottle of um, Irish Heather Sour Ale by yeah. White Hag, the Ban Gulliban, uh, which I like because it almost has my name in it. Oh, nice. Um, okay. It's it's been hard to it's definitely been hard to figure out how long you've been here. Um, oh. But how long were you there before you got here? Like when I disappeared on the dock uh, to when I, you I were think, in I the tree. It was gone for about a couple of weeks, maybe. Thereabouts. I think, yeah, it was about a couple of weeks to a month between when, when we left Quail, Quail and... No, not even that long. I don't think we were in Drake for No, that. no, you went, to a, you went to a library. Uh, You went to a Fianna headquarters. We were set off for... We, it's been we were, four days. I thought we were traveling for like a week now. No, day and a half. You got horses for this exact uh, right. Yes, reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was so close because you were meant. We went to... from a year to a week. <laughs> now the year thing was being confused by the wibbly wobbly time. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it was about. It's been about four days, and you know this specifically, Arlington, because in two days' time, you've got a meeting you cannot miss uh, with the uh, the captain of the Atlantean, son of the sea, fresh principal there. I'm going to specifically not remind Quail about that. <laughs> Your competition. <laughs> You're Wait, taller I don't than know me. I know she that likes meeting. that. I don't um, think I ever knew about that meeting, did I? Oh, yeah, because I was meant to go back. You were, you were I there. Was meant to... um, yeah, yeah. You were there in the, in the, in the dining, in the dinner scene. Yeah. Um, when it was like, meet me in a week. Find out all you need to know about Rua. Yeah. That was then. Hmm. Um... Um, I I've noticed there's there's something different about you. The the backflipping is very impressive. Uh, I think you've Thank actually you. you. you've put on a, a little bit of muscle in the meantime. It's you're the quads, I think. There's a lot of power. That's very impressive. Thank you. You're also standing on what seems to be some sort of mythical horse. How did this? It's very. Oh confusing. yeah, sorry. This is. Well, I don't. He can understand me. I can't understand him. So I've just been calling him horse. Okay. Um, and it seems intelligent. Yes, no, 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 he knows things. He he understands what I'm saying. And I sort of like, would you, you know what I'm, could you gesture to him to, so that he knows that you know what I'm saying? Um, say the, horse the horse looks at you, Arlington, and goes. <laughs> <laughs> Did the give you a who's this guy expression? <laughs> never met her in a, he speaks who's in perfect elegant guy? English. I never met her in my life. Nah. <laughs> this whole time he could speak. Uh, no, no, the horse. The horse gives you kind of like a. Okay, as much as responding. Of course, he nods. Can be. Um, it's well. I have an idea. Then I feel like this horse might be able to answer some of our questions because we both seem fairly in the in the dark and and out to sea, so to speak. Um, if you can give me a small amount of time, I can prepare a sort of ritual to to communicate with him. Do you want to go to the field or do you want to stand on the water? 
I'm kind of enjoying standing on the water, but we can go to the field. I don't mind. I mean, we can do either. Let's go to the let's go to the field. I haven't seen any creatures in this water, but I can't say for certain that there's nothing here that's going to gobble me up. So I guess we go to one of the floating weird floating fields. Yeah, you make your way up. Um, you you both sort of just float up to um, this odd spinning axis rock, and and again in that same way where you're kind of like you weren't looking for a floating island, you were looking for a field. But as soon as you touch down, it's like ah, oh, the field, easy. Cool. Uh, almost as if like with the sea behind you as you do a kind of full 360 it's now it's just nothing but field um, as if the screen is just slightly loading behind you the entire time and yeah you're in a you're in a really nice wildflower field it's cool. just like this sometimes don't worry about it so, I mean I've, I've sort of stopped asking questions to be honest with you this is a very strange place uh, yes I'm going to kneel down and start, uh, so I can cast uh, Speak with Animals, but it has to be a ritual, so I'm going to spend an hour doing that. And I just basically start, like, spreading uh, body paint and, like, markings on my arms and my face, sort of a tribal sort of sort of look, just as I was taught when I was a young bugbear. Here's the fun thing about this place. Yeah, it happens. An hour feels like seconds. Seconds feel like hours. I didn't uh, want to be the one to suggest all... that. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, if this is off book for anyone who knows where we are, uh, show's called Homebrew. Suck it. Uh, <laughs> and this is my version of this place. It's way nicer and less bland. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. You, well, you, you, you don't have the, the vortexes of things that explode at us. That's true. Stop yeah, yeah, yeah. Murder idea. Sorry, sorry. Uh, there's sorry. no, Technically there's no speaking. psychic winds, just psychic waves. Um, <laughs> so Arlington, in I like what you're doing. The really cool sort of like paint. My brain instantly went that you were just doing an animal face mask. <laughs> 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 um, but that is like the Muppets <laughs> like, baby version like of our show. Like, like a tiger, like pretending mascot. Like, to face speak face. to tiger, you have to paint your face I'm like Spider-Man. tiger. To speak to horse, <laughs> you just paint your face like horse. No, I'm not that we have any sort of fan art ever, but like yours is way better than just painting yourself like a horse. <laughs> I vote paint like a horse. I'm I'm <laughs> fine with the idea that like in Arlington's mind, he looks like fucking Last of the Mohicans, God of War style badass, and then like he just pulls back and he's just got like a cat face or like a kitty with like whiskers or something. <laughs> um, Hey, I'll tell you what, audience, you decide. Your imagination is much a player here as ours is. So whatever you want Arling to look like, that's what he looks like. Um, but yeah, you, you complete the ritual. And um, having not thought I'd need a voice for a horse, uh, let, let's let's do this. Ooh, nice. Haven't been on the spot in a while. Mm. Um, okay, I'm going, to, um, I'm going to speak to the horse now. Okay. Um... <clears throat> Um, what are you also good horse there now? How are you? Are you, are you well? well <clears throat> my horse is a bit rusty. Are you well there? Are you a good horse? What's where are we? Um, <laughs> which, uh, which question do you want me to? <laughs> That's not a horse. <laughs> which question do you want me to? <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Little, little Yoda. A cartoon horse. Which question do you want me to, uh, to answer there? The how I wasn't go into the woods alone at night. <laughs> uh, what do the horses sound like when they formed a union? They were pretty gruff. They're like, uh, which uh, 
which question do you want me to answer there? The oh, where yeah, are yeah. we or how am I? They were, Can they I get were a little more information on the fact that he's joined a union? There was it's a horsey not, union. Well, yeah, when, when everyone was gone, in the sense that when they were in the Pixie Village, they looked after the horses so well, they, they questioned whether they should be in the servitude of man at all. And and me as the DM said, nay, uh, find your free, free, free fields. Uh, but yeah, they were kind of, they were, not that all horses sound the same. Um, okay, but my voice, my voice is a horsey voice. Uh, hey. <laughs> um hey <laughs> which one do you want me to answer the, the where are we or the we were the, sent here we were sent here from what seems to be a different plane of existence i was i was wondering if you could if you would any i was wondering that myself because you don't have the you know you usually have the you guys usually have tails when you come here um but you don't that's mad what do you as in sort of people that look like us yeah anyone who's not like um poof, like spiritual like just you know and and the horse kind of puts out a, a hoof and just like prods you a little bit you know you got a bit of you got a meat of meat on you there he says that normally people that are that are like us come here with tails and they're not spiritual do you know anything about spirits no me me or, uh, quail no um could you tell her actually my name's Ainvar, not horse he says his name is Horse. You were right to say that. I did not say it. I did not. This is bullshit. Oh, I'm, just, I'm just having a wee, a, a small bit of fun with you there. His name is Einvar. Oh, good. Yeah, no, I didn't think his name was Horse. I just thought it was <laughs> presumptuous to name someone who probably already had a name. Does the uh, does the name Einvar ring any bells for me? Have I ever heard that name before? Uh, yeah, make a history check with advantage because a very pertinent member of your backstory would have told you stories like this as you sipped tea and hung out in their hut. May I also roll a history check? Sure. Oh, I rolled a two, so I'm gonna... Uh, it's 12 for me. 12. Um, Because <laughs> while it's in my backstory, I have a minus one modifier. <laughs> so I wasn't listening it was to like... those stories. Uh, your mind goes back to a, a little fire pit in a hut and you're sitting down with Tyke McGuinness and he goes, now tonight the story of Einvar and Manama McLear. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> you just fade away and you're like, I really should listen to these more. <laughs> Wait, I thought your intelligence was 10. How do you have a minus one? Uh, oh, that's true, actually. Oh, sorry, I misread. I read in... Oh, how do I have a minus one? I, oh, maybe I know what it is. It I, I know what happened. I filled it out wrong, but still, it was a thirteen. <laughs> thirteen. So you're up one. Yeah, it's kind of it's um, probably not much better. A little bit of details. Some details come in uh, around how you're not kind of sure about why Man in the McLear, the god of nature, has a horse that can gallop over the waves. And yet, in all the stories about Mananon, he's never riding the horse. It's always like someone else is riding his horse. Like, he just rents this horse out to heroes. Like, you're not really sure why, but you know that this is like, this horse is a gift from the gods. Okay. And as the old saying goes, don't look a gift horse. Oh, get out, get off the stream. In. Stop, I will literally, I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, then 
one final question I have for you, Nunyan Master, is is Arlington aware of ideas like the material plane and stuff? Like, do I? I don't. I don't want to start asking questions that I, as a player, would know. Like, there are multiple planes, or what? Or even I don't know your your game or whatever. But I don't want to start asking like, how do we get back to the material plane if this is the first time I've understood that different planes exist? You know. You've been well, you were to in the Feywild. Yeah, you were in the Feywild. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the, that there is an idea of planes and, and different universes, and and in your in um, when you were kind of taken on the wing of Tyke McGuinness, Tyke would have kind of told you a little bit about the ways of the world. So you okay. do know you don't know how many planes there are. You don't really know what they look like, um, but you just do know that there are other places in this world where very powerful people go and actually you feel pretty proud of yourself for being here you're like only legends get to go here right. like boring stories material plane legendary stories not the material just, just a fucking legend man just a <laughs> yeah, legend yeah. Man. you're like i made it here they're never gonna believe this um but i'd know that home is the material plane anyway yes and you would know um roll just a quick quick religion or history your choice they're probably both bad they are uh, both the same. That's a five. Yeah, you're, it's 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 you're not putting together the pieces of like Einvar, mm. McLear's horse, different plane of existence, bamped away by Hawk. It's not. It's like it doesn't make sense to you yet. Cool. Um, I'm just gonna keep talking to Einvar. Do you know? Do you know how to get to the prime material plane? Now, I, I don't, um, but funny thing, um, my my mate might. Um, I presume that's why you're here. You're here to chat to the gods. If they can help us get home, we'd be surely happy to What's meet What's he saying? Who can help us get home? Someone might be able to help us get home. He hasn't given me a name yet, but he knows someone. We might be able to get home. What do you mean? I haven't given it. Actually, interesting enough, speak to an animal. Is Beagle Animal one of those things like tongues where no matter what you say, it kind of flexes languages? Or... I have, I have, uh, I gained the ability to comprehend and verbally communicate with beasts for the duration. Uh... I assumed it was like I'm talking in horse to him, but I'd leave that open fair. to yourself how that's spelled. No, no, I, I think that's, I think that's fair because otherwise. Um... Well, he'll understand what I'm saying either way because he understands. Oh, no, that's you. just a fear bug thing. Never mind. Just me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you're right. I think you're speaking horse, uh, which is much like your normal voice, but just there's something in your throat. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so so Anvar didn't pick up any of that. Carry on. Yeah. Could you, so we'd we'd love to meet your friend. I don't know if if that's a, if he takes audiences, but we're very. My friend's been here for some time, and I'd like to. I need to get home. My my friends are in trouble. There, the the general demeanor of Einvar has changed, as if like he's just gotten very, like you've gotten. There's something. He, there's an elephant in the room that he can't ignore, and he walks around and he prods a hoof to your shield, and he goes, "What's that? What's that in your shield? What's that right there in your shield? The swirly symbols. It's the symbol oh, of Man McLear. Like, come uh, on. I well I." It's mostly troll blood, but I've been meaning to clean it. I have I've been on the road for some time. I didn't mean to scuff it. It's just, it, um. 
So you're telling me you're not the champion of Manon McLear. But yet you have his sword and you have his... And you look... Where's where's his sword? You have the shield and you... Oh, I'm not... Where's the sword? Well, I have this axe, if that's of any... I don't... I, I sort of have... I... It comes in a set. There's a shield and a sword. Oh, well, sort of... Well, you see, there was a, there was a reason... Um, there were two champions chosen uh, to represent Man and McClure, uh, and we got separated. As I must return to the other champion, or or our realm will be in in great danger. Hmm. Do you, do you, are you familiar with Rian, the the swash the buckler of the high seas? He he wields the the sword of of Manon and McClure. It's just sort of bureaucratic things right now at this stage, Quay. We'll 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 be on our way very shortly. It's I all... mean, okay, but like, why is he poking your shield? What's happening? I, he just—I think he's hungry. I'm not entirely sure. Well, he can still understand me. So Quay's like, "What's happening?" <laughs> he thinks. Well, he thinks. He thinks. What? Something about a chat. He knows what the the symbol in this shield is, and I'll be honest, I'm not entirely a hundred percent sure. So I figure. Did you just play you never along? told me there was anything wrong with your shield. What's wrong with your shield? There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's wonderful. It's truly... But I think it's important. Uh, very important to this horse, apparently. Okay. I mean, that's interesting to know. That would have been good information maybe before... You... Carry on. Tell you what. Will I just bring you to... To Manon? Because, like, I'm getting a bit, like... You can both talk to me. Quail can talk to me. I can talk to you. It's like... It's, uh, like... This is exhausting. It's a, right. it, it is exhausting. Well, I've I've been drowning for quite some time, so my, I empathise with the fatigue. Uh, we would we, we'd be very very uh, keep. It's hard to speak horse. This only lasts for ten minutes. Uh, we'd be very happy to meet your mate, your your friend Manon, if if that's if you could bring us to him. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's kind of why I was sent here in the first place i've just been trying to just every day who can get to the island better every day <laughs> who can swing on my back and i'm like this direction please oh look i'll tell you what you don't sell me out when we get there i don't sell you out for not knowing whose shield you're carrying huh and i'll come up with really? some excuse like you dropped it in the sea about his very precious sword is there anything i should know before i meet this man God of nature. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Anything on top of that would just be reinforcing Manon and McLeary is the God of nature. Um, well, I'll, I'm sort of, I'm sort of growing into the shoes of this, of this sort of champion business. Is there anything he's expecting of me? Full disclosure. And I'm a little bit hurt by this. He didn't say to me that he was picking new champions. And normally, when he does, that's when I kick in, no pun intended, and go find them and, like, help them, you know, get you across went, the You went city. over your head. Like, a little. I don't that's think he knows. Like, that's, last, last... That's an unpleasant feeling. You should have consulted you, at least. Well, like, last, last hero we had was Lobo. Do you know Lobo? Did you kill Lobo? Oh, good. No, no, I didn't kill him. I, I, um, I have something to do with Lobo, don't I? Does the you grave robbed him. 
that's you're saying that in ca- as a player. No, because because Quail has no idea you grave robbed Lone. This is Orla who <laughs> yeah. watched those episodes oh. telling Wes the reason you know the name Lobo is because no, 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 I knew I knew the name. I just I wasn't sure if I had any of his shit on me that he could see. That's what I'm trying to remember. I don't think the axe was anything to do with Lobo, was it? No, the shield you're carrying. <laughs> <laughs> it was just I it was the shield. Okay. Oh right. Lobo was the previous most champion of, of the Yes. Yeah, yeah. On your character sheet, it should be called Lobo Shield. Uh, but look, who am I to nitpick? Uh, it was. I have it written as Lose Shield for. No, it was Lobo Shield. You're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. I. Yeah. We need to revisit this character sheet entirely. <laughs> no DMing. Sorcerer. You know, you, you set up plots in episode one. <laughs> Characters don't pay attention. That's all right. That's a, hey, look, that's on me. And because my voice is not, but it's the exact same as the horses, that's on the horse too. Um, <laughs> um, stuff you should know before you meet him. Um, loves fighting, loves, uh, you know, territorial stuff, just staking your claim places. Uh, loves, well, probably like you both. You're not like smooth skinned like like normal heroes. Um so probably probably be fond of that. Um hmm. Anything else? That, that, I think that's about it. Like I don't think there's nothing else you need to know before you meet that, him. That's already hugely helpful. Very appreciated. Um yeah. his friend that he's bringing us to he, he he appreciates fighting and and people being territorial and staking a claim to what they own. It I, I think we'll be I think we'll be all right. I don't really own anything except for a boat, and I'm currently in a different plane of existence from that boat, which is basically my entire life. But you're very but you're very proud of your boat. Yeah. I'd say that counts. It's fine. Worst case okay. scenario, just arm wrestle them. You'll be fine. Uh, okay. But just just keep that keep that backflip in the back pocket as well. Did he maybe. say what his friend's name was? Uh, Manon McClure is apparently a god of nature. Okay, but I wouldn't yeah. know that as a sailor. Right? You wouldn't know that 100%, because not only is Manon McClure god of I, nature, I god of the sea. Charlington in that <laughs> <laughs> Specifically the oh. sea. <laughs> um, in Irish mythology, in, in this game, in homebrew, he's god of all nature, but in Irish mythology, god of the sea. Just, just uh, the sea, but... Including the sea, and I, as a sailor, would for sure know about the god of nature. Oh yeah, yeah. You probably well, are wearing I, like a symbol of his somewhere. Yeah, I punched him in the arm. I'm like, you're so, you're so. <sighs> <laughs> and make it's... a make a quick attack. Not that it's going to have any lasting impact, but like make an attack roll. I'm um, fine with having a lasting impact. I have angered a sailor. <laughs> Oh no, it's only like a 13. I rolled like shit. Mm. But it's not that you don't hit. It's just that you pull your punch. So you do make contact, but don't do any damage. My waterlogged fur protects me from your dense attacks. I, I also waterlogged fur. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just two sponges smacking into each other. It would seem like two wet cats smacking into each other. <laughs> we are not raising this horse's estimation of us. <laughs> Well, if you're ready to go, then I'm ready to go. Um, I, yeah, we'd have to head to the Hill of Tara. You know what that is, obviously. Yes, of, of course. He, he says we have to head to the Hill of Tara. I'm not entirely sure what that is, but I've told him that I do. I'm not a religious man. Stop 
lying about things. <laughs> it's so dumb and obvious. I turn to the horse. I'm like, we're so dumb. Please help. Well, I'm glad there's not a big war coming because the world is fucked if you are the heroes. But Manonin seems to know best. That is, of course, if he did choose you. If you just happen to stumble across his items of some sort, then uh, who knows? Who knows what, what this... Well, uh, I mean, you could argue we, we stake a claim to them. L- listen, we'll, we'll talk... Why don't we talk to Manonin and Mr. McClear? <laughs> Mr. McClear is very <laughs> like Mr. McLean, uh, which I yeah. do like for a side quest where you play Manon and McClear in the Nakatomi uh, Plaza. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but... Another game for another session for maybe yeah, a convention. Hey, floor. As you set across the... Uh, uh, fuck it, pull the rug out of this. You set across the astral sea on the astral plane um, and you make your way towards this floating, ever-rotating landmass in the sky. Gravity here seems localized in that when you touch down upon the soft grass, it's as if the island isn't twisting at all. Uh, it is one ever-sloping hill. Smaller bumps and raised areas kind of dotted around. And around the outer ring, you see a large enough wooden wall. But because of the slope of the land, you can see inside, and there's smaller clusters of ringed enclosed spaces. There is a well-trodden path, naturally made, leading towards the gate. And I think that, as you walk up to the entrance of the Hill of Tara, of all places, known for being in Ireland and Owen Colfer, I guess, um, that is where we will take, yeah, in, in Artemis Fowl, the Hilitara is like the entrance to the fairy world. Okay, sorry, uh, yeah, but I mean, it's just, this wasn't where my mind went straight away, but okay, yeah, no, cool. I'm, oh, I'm as opposed to Benny and Omar in Tunisia, <laughs> another own culprit book. Um, hey, who am I to, who am I to throw shade? He's doing exactly what I'm doing with this show. Um, we will be, we'll be back after the break. Uh, we're going to take a quick 15 minute break to do humany things. <laughs> like, Pull ourselves together. Gonna, we got it. <laughs> as, as both Quail and Arlington literally meet the pantheon of gods that look over this world, uh, of which none of the characters have taken religion, and this is an exciting twist in this game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we'll be back we're, in 15 minutes. We're not intelligent uh, or religious characters, and you've put us in a world where you need to think to move, and we're going to meet the gods. <laughs> it's not my fault Irish mythology is literally starts with the gods. <laughs> <laughs> campaign two is when we can leave that religion behind and go for diplomacy um the we'll be back in 15 minutes if you're a first-time watcher or if you don't already please do follow the show on social media we are at homebrew quest we post a lot about the beers we drink during the show so if you're into kind of craft beers or general um boozy lore that's where you might find it we also do a little bit of elaborating on the Irish mythology we sort of skim across in the show uh, it's hard to stay true to the textbook when it's a D&D show. Um, and if you already do all of those things, and for whatever reason, when Orla was last on the show, you didn't do what we asked you then, go follow Orla. Naturally Orla on all, if not most, social channels. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, book market. Escape the Union is ongoing, I believe, Orla. Am I it right? It is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a very excellent podcast called God's Fall. And there's a stream show, which is a prequel to that podcast called Rise of the Demigods. And then 
a bunch of fans of the show on Patreon. We got together with the DM Aram and we are now in a prequel of that prequel campaign called Escape the Union. We are set 125 years before the original podcast, so it's all a bit. So it's, so it's a prelogy? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's it's worked its way backwards. It's been a lot of fun. Um, it's and unlike in this campaign where we all have to deal with the gods, in this context we all kind of are gods. We're all demigods. Um, so we're a level four characters trying to fight gods. So we're all gonna die. But it's been a, it it's is, a lot of fun. No, it's incredible. It's it's honestly such a a wonderful world. Like I have source material. Aram doesn't, and it's amazing the world he builds. Uh, so as if you're a DM, definitely check up on all anything under the, the God's Fall cinematic um, stream. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it all. It's consumed, just, just binge it as much as you can. Uh, but specifically... So, no, you go I, I was just going to say that the only um, real-world source material in a lot of ways that Aram uses is that his map oh, for yeah. God's Fall... <laughs> The main like landmass is just it's just Ireland, and everything else is these scattered islands off to the east. So it's just the map, if like Ireland existed and Britain exploded. Yeah. And I was like, can you imagine if 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 like this show or Dublin and Dragons tried to do that? Like, how much yeah. shit would we get if we were mm. running a show where we blew up Britain? <laughs> Yeah, we we did out. we did joke that our that our creation story for both <laughs> Dublin Dragons and Homebrew was well the Big Bang is uh, Britain exploded, uh, yeah. and, <laughs> but funny enough yeah I I I loved seeing it I was like I know that little uh, I describe Ireland like a little bear uh, but I know other people have other shapes uh, for it I was like I know that cute little bear um, the Homebrew map I just freehand drew but in hindsight I was like well, it's clear why didn't I just make it? why didn't I just make it Ireland. Yeah, it's see, ours is just ours is just Ireland with a few extra mountains and more forests, and the Midlands are just one big marsh. So nothing changed, really. Pretty uh, much, no. <laughs> the Ireland we can all strive towards. Anyway, uh, that was just some free bonus content. <laughs> um, we will be back in 15 minutes. Uh, we will see you then. Grab some drinks, refill your cups, uh, go to the bathroom if you need to. And we will see you in 15 minutes for the second half of the Astro Sea episode. <laughs> Sometimes you don't have fantasy words for what are adventure, just real adventure, Astro Adventure. Hey, welcome back to Homebrew, part two, where our two sexy, sexy adventurers, Quail and Arlington, a furbolg, and a bugbear, are making their way to the Hill of Tara. Like, the Hill of Tara. Uh, for anyone who knows the Hill of Tara, you're like, Whoa! For anyone who doesn't, it's like a hill, uh, but it's a pretty impressive hill. Um, so you've made your way. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was the high, it was the seat of the high kings of Ireland in ancient Irish mythology, and I've been wanting to weave it into this campaign for quite some time. And I figured, where better than the astral plane, uh, where the gods live? Um, again, in this campaign, um, you have made your way up to the gate, to the outer ring surrounding this structure. And just before the gate, you see two people. Um, the person on the left seems to be wearing a simple white tunic, brown trousers, a spear and shield in hand, and draped over top and fastened by a golden brooch, a blue cloak. Similarly attired in brownish, in a brownish red cloak, for my ease, uh, and a ravish, extravagant-looking gold-spun belt are the two gatekeepers to Tara. 
and they spy you and they begin talking amongst themselves and before you can properly get up there they shut out who goes there before they like have reached the thing for the entire walk up quail has just been desperately trying to polish a really old tiny little medallion of Mohanna McLear hmm. that she is like a tiny like a picture a little miraculous medal basically like really small and it's like dented and it's like been at sea so it's like all tarnished she's like clean it on her tunic and shit and it's like okay all right you know so she's very (laughs) she's very distracted and isn't paying attention to this yeah basically i'm gonna try and chip the troll's blood off my off my shield (laughs) not doing nearly as good a job of cleaning it well there's a thing um and correct me if I'm wrong, Wes, or our, our residents' rules were, but magical items, like, do they maintain sort of okay, th- yeah. stains and stuff? Like, there's a stuff in about real, items, right? in real In real game rules, magical items don't need cleaning. They don't rust, they don't tarnish, they don't whatever. But it's way funnier if he has to get gold, troll blood off it. Yeah. 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 Out, damn spot, as he imagines I, the troll blood. <laughs> I think own. both Arlington and Grud would like, you know blood stains on their weaponry i think that's a lovely way to add to this general world that like the the wielder informs the the wear and tear of the item so like for someone who's like a a valiant paladin and looks like they don't shit themselves hmm. um it's always sparkling clean uh, but for us everyday um, people yeah sorry no actually ben i'm gonna have to stop you there <laughs> can i just ask how your bar that delineated average people from a shiny paladin is that they weren't shitting themselves. I mean, like they did not. I I, I misspoke. Uh, they don't poop. Like they look like they don't. They don't have. They look like their functions. shit don't stink. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not that they but don't do, like shit in their own I, clothes. I realize that's what you meant, but I do like the idea of just that's what, yeah. Not, like you said, that's the bar. Shit not are shitting you not yourself. Willing to... Ooh. Mr. Fancy. Oh, doesn't even shit him. Company of royalty. (laughs) Or just tie off the ends of my trousers so it doesn't mess up my shoes. Yeah. Yeah, get over yourselves, people who don't walk around with their own shit in their own pouch like a toddler unaware (laughs) that they need to change themselves. Get off your high horse. Uh, No, what I didn't mean was uh, they look like their shit don't stink. If the wheel uh, can degree it, then I think Arlington would let maybe not, you know, too much damage, but yeah. I, I've I've only played with a few paladins and I don't know them well enough, but uh, I would like to think that they harness all their unshit pants into their smites of sorts. <laughs> like take out my frustrated too good personality. Radiant shite. <laughs> um but yes. This is where this is where part two takes us. If you're unfamiliar I with the know. show, we're usually a part little bit drunker two. because it's it's the nature of alcohol. It works <laughs> fast in fifteen minutes. Um, and unlike the astral sea, happens in linear time. Yeah. Uh, so part two is a little bit off the rails. <laughs> part one was off the rails. Here, calm down. Um, so yeah, you do go up to these two gatekeepers, uh, and they and they shout out, uh, "Who goes there?" Um, a champion of Lulavada. No, wrong one, and stop lying. Uh, okay, you do the talking. <laughs> a friend. <laughs> I'm sorry, he's nervous and compulsive. 
and an idiot. <laughs> you can see them kind of whispering to each other, uh, <laughs> just like, and giving you, I wouldn't say they're evils, but they're just kind of like this kind of look. Hi. I'm I'm Quail. Uh, my name is yeah, We're here to see uh, Madden McClear. His his horse said we were cool. I just gestured. We got his, his horse. Of course, of course, of course. There's a horse. Um, they they look into here to see Madden McClear. Well, I guess we just let them in then. They're here to see Madden McClear. You oh, know, I thought this was going to be an ordeal, but they're just going to let us in. Isn't that wonderful? Um, Einvar, and they address the horse, do not tell them that no one can enter the Hill of Tara without a skill. What do you bring us? Yes, what do you to, bring me? To the backflip, to the backflip now. Oh, and what do you bring me? Gamel, my vehicle. The actual names, Gamel and Camel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't come up with them. Gamel McVeagle and Gamel are the gatekeepers of the Hill of Tara. Sorry, I like to picture what them. What son of the teeth? <laughs> yeah, Gamel McVeagle. Oh, and okay, Camel. no, Feagle. I thought you said Feagle. No, no, Gamel McVeagle and Camel McVeagle are the two gatekeepers to the Hill of Tara. Why do I get the feeling there was a mistranslation along the line, and there was one gatekeeper, and they took it down wrong twice? Um, but yes. <laughs> These two gatekeepers, true facts, are the gatekeepers of the military. I like to picture them as Mr. Tato and Mr. Protestant Tato from up north. They're the same person twice, just slightly different. Or as those in the north say, Tato and the Free Stato. Ah, very true. Yeah. Very, very true. I've got to, you got to hand it to him there. That's good shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, no, they're, they're, they're identical guards and both can lie. Um, but yeah, true, true Irish mythology. So, um... Quail turns to Einvar and is like, I'm sorry, can I just, um, can I use your help here for a second? And he, like, climbs up onto Einvar's back and is going to try and do her, well, and then, like, he kind of, like, walk, can he, like, walk forward a little bit and while he's moving, she does her, like, her sick circus flip. Yeah, yeah, make an acrobatics check. Uh, make it with advantage. You've been practicing for minutes, I have been months, and or years. Your whole, your whole existence in this realm oh, has led this moment. Oh, so Good, so good. That's a that's a twenty five. Nice, that Quite is very good. good. Um, this is a moment, and it's a learning moment. Uh, mark it down in your notes, dear viewers. I wrote down on yesterday. No matter what they do, claim there's already someone inside who can do it. <laughs> but this is so unexpected. That I don't think there's anyone inside this fort who can backflip on a horse. <laughs> so, while it's moving while it's moving I don't think they're going to be like should we five of them inside uh, that is hey that is impressive and I immediately as you start applauding when she lands it they're like they almost go into their telecom script there's already someone there's no one inside yeah. should backflip off a horse while it's moving we never knew we had a need and seeing it now, we have a need for this type of absolute banter inside this hill. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Uh, it is majestic. It is the best flip you've done so far. Um, <laughs> nice. nice. You Gamal turns to Camel and goes, well, well, is that technically not partly the horse's skill? And he's like, shut up, Gamal. Get over it. We're letting them in. Uh, and so continues the trend of NPCs giving out to other NPCs in this show. <laughs> 
They say DM tip. Let your NPCs address the players. My tip, have them argue. Make them always a bickering couple. Let your players interrupt you. <laughs> or not. Led, Just let it happen. Yeah. Uh, you're led by Camel and Gamel around this enclosure inside. And you do notice as you kind of make your way through that there's other folks going about their business in similar attire, sort of simple tunics, cloaks. Some of them are more lavish than others. And after a short stroll, as you kind of wind your way through these streets, you are brought to a barrel-chested man with a pot belly and a huge bush of beard. And he's got ruddy, ruddy red cheeks and a big boyish smile. And even sitting, his height is almost like seven or eight feet tall. He is huge. His features resemble that of a dwarf, but everything about his stature is nothing like a dwarf that you know. And opposite him, also sitting on a carved out trunk of tree, is Harry Potter. <laughs> this isn't my franchise. I better go. Wraps the clothes. I was going for a Hagrid thing that wasn't just randomly thrown in, but carry no, on. No, no, I got it. I <laughs> okay, was honest with you. I'm okay. rusty. I'm not too well versed. <laughs> I liked how I yes ended it. That's that's. I was, that's I was, I was with you. I, I, I realized though, as I said it, it sounded like I'm just saying, and then Legolas comes in. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Hey, look, tell us on socials who was with me and thought it was a random call out and who was with Wes and totally got the reference. Um, opposite him, sitting on a carved out trunk of tree, a very focused and concerned looking, also larger than life, a sort of bookish orc. They're still built, but they look older and around their eyes you see the kind of lines and cracks of age and all their creases in their skin have an almost sharp and considered direction. And watching them both, a spectator to this game you notice set out in front of them, uh, we see another person. Long auburn hair, a tight-cut beard, almost fae-like features. And he is draped in a swishing greenish-blue cloak, which moves like ripples through a pond. He stands almost 15 feet tall. These are the first out-of-proportion characters you've seen here. Everyone else you kind of passed seemed relatively normal like as normal as normal can be um but these three are sort of giants among among the people around them and looking up from the game they introduce themselves starting with the giant dwarf wait so the the regular people we passed are they all fairly large as well or are they fairly what we consider i'm trying to figure out if i'm the shortest person in the room fair uh, make a perception check, and we'll retroactively apply it to everyone you pass to kind of well, put I, these pieces of the puzzle together. Because I kind of like the idea of everyone being fucking enormous here. Uh, perception is uh, 12. 12. Um, there's, like, subtle differences between the people you passed. Um, but most of them just seemed normal-ish sized. There were a couple of larger... They just, like, what we would just chalk up as a, a tall person. Mm. Actually, um, sorry, I meant, I meant to ask that as well. Are they mm, predominantly human-looking? What, what are their actual features like? What sort of race would, would we most associate them with? It is sort of a mixture of races here. Um, you see some humans, for sure. Um, you did see a couple of dragonborns. You saw a few orcs. 
Okay, so nothing uh, super outlandish, like fairly yeah, the, no the common races or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Like dragons. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, no, no dragons, no. Uh, nothing you couldn't play in a, in a classic game of D&D with so stats for a player. All, all players handbook legal shit. Um, yeah, and Bolo's, Bolo's Guide stuff as well. No bugbears. You didn't come across any bugbears. Well, I'm very special and unique. Uh, was there anything that would have matched sort of... I'm specifically looking for... What what Avar was talking about, sort of like like us, but with a tail. That's sort of anything that would match the description Do he gave. Do the dragonborn have tails? No, they don't. Or they shouldn't. Sorry, it's your world. I shouldn't assume. Hey, I'll I'll, I'll uh, defer to that. Um, yeah, because they don't in fifth edition players yeah. have luck. They took no, no tails. Um, no, no tails on any of the people. And I retract my statement because you did see one bugbear with really long arms. Is he tickling people? <laughs> uh, no, he's not. But it just seemed quite formidable and just deadly at everything. Um, okay. So I don't, re- I don't recognize him because all bugbears know each other. No, no, no. I don't recognize him at all. Um, hard to even place him. Okay. Does he seem to react to me? when I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I think through this whole thing, I haven't thought to pull my hood up and cover my face or anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as as you kind of turned one corner and this bugbear turned another, um, it did do a double take. It kind of looked at you, looked at your shield, and then looked back at you. And like like when you see someone else wearing like a t-shirt of a franchise you quite like, gave you that kind of look of like, oh, respect, man. Um, nice. Yeah, so you did get a little bit of like... Okay. Uh, a little something. But they were gone around the corner before right. something else. Yeah. Cool. End of my question. Uh, Continue describing the second person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these these are the th- these three gianter people uh, here. Uh, not giants, but just just like ratio proportioned versions of the races they are. Um, and the dwarf sitting down uh, turns around and goes, um, "Well, I am the All Father, God of Life. You may know me as the Dagda." And pauses for a moment to see if there's like a flicker of recognition amongst your eyes. Like there, a kind of, like, there like a celebrity. Is, there is, but also more like hidden within blind panic. Over like Quail's gone like bored, upright, like ballet dancer straight, completely blank expression with like crazy panicked eyes. It's it's, it's like a cool principle, but it's still a principle. <laughs> so mm. you're like Bleh. We uh, did we have any mm, interactions with the Dagda yet? No, I don't think we have. I don't believe you've met the Dagda, or even like you have. Actually, sorry, you went to the Temple of Life, yeah. of which you met Cobra, um, and Cobra was one of the NPCs, one of the people. They're yeah, people, then. they're not just scene. non-playable characters. Uh, willing to help Hawk with his curse. Uh, Cobra was an old lady. A beautiful old lady, and I'll have no other words about it, despite <laughs> my description at the time, which I think was mean. <laughs> that whole scene was great. Uh, you have met the Dagda, or rather you've been to the Temple of Life, yeah, yeah. Um, and you met you met Cobra, one of his um, acolytes. I, I couldn't remember if we'd specifically heard the, the name, the Dagda. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Cool. Um, and the orc across the way goes, I am Ogma. The written law. <laughs> We're going to get updates every 6pm from this last. 
Recording here from the astral plane. <laughs> there has been a crash at the Red Cow Roundabout. <laughs> what a set of tests he pronounces a guardy or gordine. Well, he definitely <laughs> says uh, finance and not finance. God, <laughs> who's teaching that word? <laughs> Vehicles. <laughs> uh, for any international viewers, uh, we have a, a national broadcaster called RTE. Uh, and they are bad at pronouncing things. They've taken on a sort of like RP, like BBC way of pronouncing things, but no one in Ireland speaks like they it's, do. Like um, I've started to realize it's like that old, like the, the transatlantic accent from like old movies mm. where no one actually spoke like that. But it's like, this is how you should sound. It's like, but no one sounds, you're, ma- you're making up weird words. Why? As, oh, as a prompt from chat, uh, Agma pauses for a moment and in the distance you hear some church bell chimes and they wait. And look to the sky. Um, Someone digging at a small garden puts their trowel down and looks up. Can't believe we still do that. It looks like, to anyone who's not Irish, it's a parody. Like, honestly, you can't parody it because it looks like a weird thing we do. Yeah, but also they don't know what it is. Like, they don't know it's a religious thing. Yes, true. People who see it on the telly don't know it's religious like. They just think it's like this weird thing that happens at six o'clock. <laughs> Still is. Take a moment of reflection at six o'clock. <laughs> yeah, but like they've taken. Religious doesn't make it not a weird thing at six no, o'clock. No, I know, I know, but it's like they don't even know it's. Re- I think it would be like less weird if it was overtly religious. Right, of course. Like the fact that it's not religious, but just a moment to pause that has undertones we- of yes. I th- you're yeah, right. I think that's actually weirder. Like they're trying yeah, to pretend everyone's it's confused not. for thirty seconds. <laughs> I do feel like. Um, it's one of those things. Uh, it's one of those things where if you if you tried to convince someone who wasn't Irish that it happened, it'd be like convincing like an Australian convincing people that drop bears exist. You're like, no, there's no way. There's no way that every day at six o'clock the bells ring and everyone stop. Not, not people don't stop. People, um, nobody stops. But next game I play as a player, uh, I'm gonna play one of those sweet old uh, clerics and he's like, is it is there a cantrip? Uh, Toll the Dead. Toll the Dead, yeah. There he is, yeah. Sweet Angelus. My favorite spell. It's really good. It's a very good spell. Uh, But Toll the Dead is like the Angelus in Irish culture. Hmm. Um, And finally, the person standing behind both these two players kind of sat over this board game and goes to you and looks directly at both of you and goes, well, it'd be fierce and burst. And if you didn't know me, seeing as you have my moniker there in your shield, lad, and... Well, it looks like you've lost me sword, you dose. Um, I don't believe I've I've lost it, um, Mister McClear, sir. Um, it's in the hands of a second champion. We've we've decided to distribute your strengths and and both represent your your power, so we can cover two planes of existence at once. <laughs> Quail looks up at the sky and waits for the world to end. <laughs> I'm not normally the. This is I miss Rian very much. Um, Why do you keep lying? Why don't you just tell the truth? Because he's bad at lying. He's not charming, but he wants everyone to like him. <laughs> I think by the end of your sentence, Arlington, you've convinced yourself. Uh, so I won't ask for a deception check. I will ask for a persuasion check because as you're saying, you're like, yes. 
That is true. I think, yeah, I think Arrington <laughs> believes that, like, you know, two champions are better than one champion. Why would I hog two magic items? And Rian's a very powerful warrior. Hmm. Uh, roll persuasion. Persuasion. I mean, I'm bad at that, too. <laughs> um, persuasion. Yeah, I'm, it's an equal modifier for both. It's minus one for both. So that's an 11. He looks, uh, and he kind of crouches down to be at your level and goes, to be honest, I wasn't aware it chosen any champions lately. And while we weren't expecting any high kings, and looks at you, Quail, or queens, seeing as there haven't been any in ages, but you're, now you're here. What can we do for you? Uh, well, we actually... Um, we were trying to save a friend's life. He has magic in his brain that explodes. <laughs> and it sent us here. So, uh, you could assume, I would assume, maybe people could assume that destiny... Quail's got flop sweat. <laughs> <laughs> this is the least cool Quail has ever been. Admittedly, like talking to Destiny to the gods themselves is like, so I guess if you like, don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I just assumed I was here for a reason and I kind of just been going with it. They all give each other, like, a... Um, I'm very much enjoying this. What I would like to describe as, like, an Edgar Wright look. Like a... Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Mm. Like, did any of you set about the wheels of hey, Destiny again? Did you... Were you doing Destiny? Were you doing Destiny? <laughs> did you do another Destiny? <laughs> have, you been, have you been moving things along without consulting me? The mover alonger. Um, <laughs> they're like... Was it? And they cycle through them. Like, and he goes, tagged it. No, it wasn't the Morrigan, was it? Well, I haven't been spoken to her recently, but it wasn't the Morrigan, I don't think. And Ogma. Do you think this is the work of netting a man? I don't think this is the work of anything anywhere here. Um, and Tagda goes, well, um, I mean, it's kind of my thing, but I was a little bit, um, bit, like, I'd sort of just left it running. I haven't been paying it. I know I meant to, but it's just they were doing fine. Like, they were just sort of doing stuff. I don't know. There's no wars. It's not interesting. I'm, I'm so sorry to cut across. I'm not. I mean, there are some wars. Ha- there are some yeah. wars happening. I don't yes. know. If, no, there there is kind of a war happening. Sorry. I'm, I'm not very well versed in 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 the pantheon of of the gods of Hibernia, but I mean, I feel like if you've sort of left us rudderless. I don't think we're capable of taking care of ourselves. If no, there's very little evidence that we can do that. I mean, we're sort of terrible. We could do with a bit of help. They all look simultaneously towards an empty throne at the end of a banquet table, and they go, you know, it has been some time since we've had the Talton Games. 
Well, yes, it has been. I don't. I, I think, lads, we need to figure out a way to maybe uh, help these lads on their way, and at the same time, pick one of us to, you know, babysit while they do their thing. That would be most helpful. Yeah, honestly, we're. we're I mean, that sounds fantastic. Huh. So, uh, I guess my question's the same. What can we do for you? Um, well, I mean, initially we were sort of looking to get back home to to the material plane, but uh, there are issues there that if you could help us out with them, that that's, would be great. That's, that's priority one. Ever, everything else is, is kind of like less important, but is on the table if like that was up. Is if that was also an option, you know, but that's like the most important thing. Um, I mean, but I mean, tabling that for just just a quick a quick mo mo. Is there anything we can do for you? I mean, we're not looking for anything for free. Quid pro quo, and like kind of subtly trying to flex as I'm saying this to look as jacked as I can. <laughs> yeah, they they look at each other and go, "God huddle." Yeah, God huddle. God huddle. <laughs> <Big fan laughs> of that. And they, they go into a little God huddle. Uh, and you see them, you can kind of hear them chatting amongst themselves and, and sort of murmuring. They're not quiet by any means, but they're they're trying to keep... It's going pretty uh, well. Um, I, and I'm, I'm so moist. My fur is all wet. <laughs> I know, it's very exciting. I've sweated all into my fur. <laughs> So your first is a darker color with with nerves. <laughs> I don't think I've been this anxious since I learned to sail. Like, like a sequin pillow where you wipe your hand on one side <laughs> and don't go and you wipe and your hand like, across the other. It's starting like almost like the humidity of it is starting like little bits are like coming up in little like flicks and curls because you know it's like drying weird. It's like, going all puffy like. Well, um, here. Uh... Look, lad, uh, and he, he points towards you early. It kind of seems like you're already, uh, you, you got my shield, um, and you're, you're, you're friends with the guy who has my sword? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, Rian. Yes. Rian. <laughs> Bad sapped. We haven't had a king, let alone a little king, in quite some time. Uh, and he changes to you and McGregor. He, is, he, is, <laughs> he is real. He, he's, he's really little and like, Quail struggles to hold her hand down low enough. Mm. In hindsight, well, I don't um, know his last name. He's a mysterious fellow. But are, are you familiar with his with with him? Um. Well, give me a moment, and like literally a moment passes, and you see his eyes. <laughs> oh I yeah, I know everything about him. Yeah, yep, yep. Know everything about him now. Right. Yes. I'll, I'll be honest. I forgot you were a god for a moment. Of course. Yeah. And, um. Can you Not tell my us my first choice of a champion? But um. You, and he flicks again, is it, wouldn't have been my first choice either, perfectly honest, uh, but you seem capable. Are, what is your name? Quail what? looks at him in surprise. My, my name? Yeah, lad. What's your name? Uh, my name is Ar Arlington McGuinness. He stares deeply at you uh, for a moment. And you see a, a little wry smile kind of cross his face and goes, 
Well, let's be honest, that explains a lot more than um, as he falls back into the character I thought he would be, as opposed to the English Hugh Grant he's become, as he becomes surprised. Um, it's it's, it's but, hard enough to slip into the Brits when you're doing the old fantasy thing. Yeah, it's awful Tell that way. That. Well, that makes a lot more sense now. I can see now why we haven't had a king or a champion or an army or any sort of influence on the world in quite some time, given that um, you there, and he, his hands point out, and he just sort of like swipes you apart, and you are Crud, the bugbear, and you are Eremon, son of Milispania, the high elf king of Hibernia. Cool. Cool. Eremon. Um, Eremon, son of Milispania. He goes, that would make sense now. You were the last lad to, um, to you know, go up to Leofall, which we left there to kind of help yourselves self-govern. And you are, are just a bastard bugbear. I'll kill you. But together, actually... You don't actually make too bad of a team. And he puts you back together. Oh, I vomit instantly. <laughs> Quail is having, like, again, just sweating buckets. What is happening? And it seems there, Eremon, that when you died, you didn't actually do the thing you were meant to do, which was go back into the stone. And you decided to not? That wasn't very nice of you. And then this wee lad came across you. And cracked his head against the old Leofall. And you and you now see in your mind, Arlington, that the crystal that gave you intelligence is Leofall, the Stone of Destiny. Um, and it's not so much intelligence in that you just absorbed the last High King of Hibernia into you. Uh, not all of the kings. Maybe one day. It is homebrew after all, and things evolve. Uh, but today, uh, you have absorbed Eremon, son of Melisbania. Well, today, this enormous plot point will have to do. Yeah. Um, Arlington, I swear to God, if you are the High King of Hibernia, I will maybe kill you, but maybe maybe I can't kill you, but I will think uh, about killing you so re- hard. That would, be, I will, that would be regicide, and I, I would will. I will. In, I will intensely kill you in my brain. It's. It sounds like I'm a retired king. I don't. I don't think that's a thing. I. Why can't you ever just say the thing that's happening like it's <laughs> happening out loud with your words? Um. I understand this might be confusing for you. Uh, please understand, it is infinitely more confusing for me. Um, I'm I'm so sorry. I So I've died. Is that the main takeaway? Well, actually, it seems like you almost died and you decided to prolong yourself by just not fulfilling the ritual of, like, imparting your knowledge as king to the stone. And it just sorely. I don't. I don't even you know how that ritual happens. I've. I don't know what you're talking about. Now this is the difficult thing, lad, uh, about chatting to you because part of you is the bugbear and doesn't know, um, but also part of you, you know, and and excuse, excuse my effing and blighting, is a fucking king, and you should have <laughs> known better. Um. Okay. Um. God huddle? Uh, yes. God huddle. And they, and they pull away. And, and all you hear from them is like, we've really fucked Advent- things up down there. That's- <laughs> Adventurer huddle? Adventurer huddle. And I grab yes, Arlington. Good. Pretty good. I have no idea what's happening. This is bad. 
Are is they there... on our side? Is this good or I, is this bad? I don't know, Arlington. I think we have like either they're going to rip you in half, or they're going to make you like king of Hibernia, or they're going to make me king of Hibernia, or we're going to have to travel in time or something. I don't know. This seems bad. Well, I mean, most of those sound okay. You want to get ripped in half? Oh, no, that's the one thing that's not okay. But the other ones are pretty okay. You want to be king of Hibernia? Hibernia is a mess. Well, it sounds like I did that. Well, to be honest with you, it sounds like I abandoned my post there. That could explain why things are in such a shit. Well, maybe you abandoned them because they are a shit. That's fair. You have a very negative outlook on this. <laughs> you try raising yourself. I'm sorry? <laughs> I need a drink. I don't... I, I, yes, I wouldn't say no myself. Uh, let's see what, what comes from this god huddle, god huddle and see if they'll go for a, an old pint after that. Yeah, okay, but let's focus on getting to the material plane where we're a little less vulnerable, yeah? yeah yes, I, but I would also like more answers if I could. But obviously getting home to our friends is still of the utmost importance. Okay. The three gods turn around and, um, like, you see both Ogma and Manon and McLear just push forward the Dagda. He goes, oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> we were thinking um, either we forget this all happened, and to make that very clear, we just erase you from existence, um, or... Um, you prove that you can be the kings and champions and heroes we need to sort of get the world back on track and we send you home. I vote for the latter. Uh, yes, no, that um, that second thing sounds like a better option to yes, me. Yes, the personally. second one, definitely. Yeah, I would like to be a champion, please. Okay, well, um, and Manon and I said, well, uh, lad, uh, I was kind of hoping you'd be my champion, if you don't mind. You already have my shield, uh, and it seems like you're good mates with the lad who has my sword. And actually, yourself there. Didn't catch your name, actually. Uh, you know, um, and looks towards you. Quail, um, my horse has taken a fierce shine into you. So I guess the three of you could be my little... Um, and at that point, like, you can hear some rabbits. Well, um, actually, you can't take all three... I think it's a little bit unfair if you take all three. Look, they came to me. I'm taking all three. No objections, no objections. Sound. <laughs> I think I'll take all three. Look, of course, you also have, you know, free reign and free free will of your own. Uh, so, like, pick any god if you want. But to be honest, lads, I'm the best. Because, like, nature is everywhere. This, this all sounds wonderful and uh, more than happy and proud to serve as your champion. If I if I might ask, what are the rest of your pantheon standing with my traveling companions back in the material plane? One of them has been beseeching help from you, uh, Mr. Allfather. Um, are we are we prohibited from serving multiple gods in, you know, I mean, I will be your champion, but I may have to do the work of other gods. What's your what's your standing on this? Um, well, uh, if the one you're talking about, uh, Hook, is actually looking for my help through someone who's already, you know, a beacon of life in the plane. So, so 
really and 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 money exchanged hands and like we're square like we are square you don't need to worry about that um i guess it means that we're all going going to war again i don't think it means we're going to war i just think it means that we just need to take a bit more of a hand in the running of hibernia well yeah. i mean i i i there are a bunch of people who are about to go to war pretty much this isn't the first time you've actually chatted about this so um if you wouldn't mind actually what's going on down there well We've um been busy. there was some some issues about um sovereignty and land ownership oh. um so um when the the middle i don't know if you know how hard it is to cross land currently in hibernia land travel is sort of out it's it's like an it's like a no no land travel um simultaneously they all look towards a person who has been up until now huddled in the corner and you do your gaze uh, moves towards it and you see a sort of frail looking small halfling small for a halfling tall for a god uh <laughs> big small halfling um who's just sort of this pale very dour looking woman and Ogman goes well um yes uh we're actually afraid that uh Avandra Avandra uh, lost a bit of herself and so she's kind of the goddess of travel and luck and change and uh, when she stopped doing her job we actually realised that we could stop doing our jobs right yeah okay so that that was a thing and um, that meant that everyone kind of had to live on the coast and it kind of meant that there was like less land than before this is my rough understanding not really a history person, but I, I recently took a strong interest in a, in a, in someone who feels really strongly about it. But the, <laughs> my understanding was that um, some people, a lot of, for example, orcs, um, got pushed out to sea and they are now pirates and they are about to go back to the land and, and maybe kill a bunch of people to take their land back. I mean, I don't, I'll admit, I'm not very political, um, but that was my rough understanding of the situation. The tactic goes, um, well, that would be bad overall for um, some life, but actually I found in my little domain that uh, war actually breeds life because <laughs> people get a little bit uh, nervous about what tomorrow holds and sort of make more people. Um <laughs> But I, I'm yet to understand how this affects... No, Arlington. Now is not the time. Us, the gods. Um, it seems like that's like a little spat, not like a world-changing thing. Well, I mean, there's like a lot of them. When I say pirates, there's like a lot of pirates. And then there's like a secret society and and, and um, something uh, to do with fruit. Clocks and fruit. Arlington, help. Uh, the, the clockwork tangerine. Yes, they're quite a well-known establishment. Are yes, you familiar and, with them? And they're and they're killing folks and and then um the yes, lots of bad. Ogma uh, thinks, and as you 
as he thinks, you can see that those little sort of crow's nests in his eyes are actually just shapes of Oum uh, written into his skin. And as he thinks, the kind of language around his skin changes. And he goes, seems to me like um, Net and Milman are having a bit of a marital spat. Um, is it our place to get involved? And looks around to the other gods and goes, well, listen, lad. And, and Manolin steps down again. Um, look, I tell you what. If there's world-shattering events, world-shattering events of any sort, get in touch with me. But if there's not world-shattering events, we're kind of all good here. We can get back to our game. You can get back home. Speaking of going home, sorry, things that started the last God Huddle. Uh, you will need to prove yourselves worthy of going home. That's fun. You don't. Are you sure you don't want to ensure that your home isn't sullied by by mere mortals? You don't want to send us on our way back where where we came from. Make a persuasion check with disadvantage. If I fail real badly, they're going to realize they can just kill us. <laughs> no, no, they're they're fallible, like a whole the Irish uh, mythology gods. That is a nine. Quail's just staring, has like picked a spot on the wall, like when you're being interrogated and you just pick a bit of the wall <laughs> and they're just staring at it blankly like this is it, this is the end. A nine isn't good, but it's not super bad uh, in the sense of like, man goes, well actually it's, it is, it's fierce annoying to have you around to be honest, um, because suddenly my responsibility, it's like when someone, you know, tells like, I'd like to just go back to doing what I was doing. And you sort of come in being like, hey, sun's coming up. <laughs> Better realize life goes on. Um, so tell you what, we send you home anyway, but sweeten the deal. You play your games. And if you win, maybe we'll give you some uh, a gift of the gods. What if we lose? We send you home without the gift. You don't get a party back. I mean, I'm I'm okay with that then. What, yeah, what, that sounds like a really a very good deal. Hmm. The other option, of course, if you don't want to play at all, is just to go the long way around. But I will warn you: the further you get from your home playing, the weaker you get overall. So, like, uh, I'm, there I'm, seems I'm, like there's no upsides to that. No, I'm I, that's let's do the game. The game sounds yeah. good. Yes. Hmm. Uh, okay, game. Uh, um, I'm, God, I'm so on. sorry. Before before we get too into this, because I I do want to give this my undivided attention. Could could you, the way I was split in half there, separated into my two selves, how did you do that? Is there, I I can't seem to wrestle control of that. It sort of happens outside of my control, and it it historically happens at very very bad times. Ah yeah, so. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, when you're under mental stress, and he's Dubliner for some reason, where is he going? Man in the McLear. Yeah. The well, he's forgotten my, nature, my... and nature is all over Ireland, and so the accent changes. Fair, fair, fair. My key, my anchor word was fierce. For whatever yeah. reason. <laughs> fierce nature, lad. Fierce, f- fierce here. Here we are. Uh, yeah, the thing about that is, uh, actually, uh, I put you under a little bit of, hope you don't mind, mental duress. And 
because of that and because of where we are, the more you have to think here, the harder it is to little bit of a secret. Uh, you're not really keeping the two apart. Um, don't know if you know how brains work, but but the bugbear you have trapped in a mental cage. Mental cage. Mental cage? Yeah, so I think mental cage makes sense. You have them trapped in a mental cage. So the harder you have to think on what's in front of you, the harder it is to keep that monster in the cage. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, I've more than once I've I've specifically released him by causing great pain to myself. But are you telling me I could have done that by just thinking of a very difficult riddle? <laughs> Because I told my friend to kick me in the balls before, and if I just had to do some Sudoku, that would have been much more preferable. <laughs> Whatever. Well, hindsight, you know, twenty twenty. That's what they say. I mean, it's the mind's a difficult thing, lad. <laughs> a mental cage. How... Uh, well, that that that's that's very useful. A mental cage. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was actually pretty easy here to separate them because, like, here you're concentrating so much on just like moving. Yes, I noticed that. Is, Says the is horse that, in the horse's accent. Is that is that something that comes with most planes of existence apart from the material plane? This is this is one of the very few times. This is my third time, second time planes walking. Um, actually, how did you get here? Um, it seems a bit bizarre that you're just here without any knowledge of how the planes work. It was Remember involuntary we, on both our parts. We mentioned our friend with the the power in his brain that explodes. Hook. Hmm. So, do you know? Um, do you have a map of the planes? It says Ogma. I very, very much do not. No, I've lit no, not at all. I've never left my plane before, and uh, I didn't mean to this time. This is my second excursion away from the material plane. Really? Um, well, it's been we've I've I've had a few adventures outside of. Oh, my... was this was this the thing with the with the hag? Uh, yeah, yes, and 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 several other things. I was in a small tree. We can get into it later, but I've been to the Feywild a couple of times now. At this stage, it's all very you know. You simply must go. Um, it's wonderful in the summer. Um, seems to me um, regardless of whose champion you are you might need to know like your general whereabouts that would I'm, be extremely useful yes, yes I'm pro navigation well um, let me help out um, I'll start from the very basics <laughs> and he's an um and an Agma starts drawing a shape in the sky, and the shape sort of takes on a. There's a word for this, and I learned it for this episode. It's not a. It's not a Triskel. It's not a Triskelion, but it's sort of like a Celtic knot in like three parts. Um, and if either of you are watching the stream, I think it's actually up on stream right now. Surprising, um, but yet. it's this kind of Celtic knot. Um, that appears and oh, out of each out of each sort of segment a little swirl um, this here is the map of the planes 
and he points to the bottom left quadrant and goes, uh, this is the material plane. And out of this, the other world sort of overlapped and fits in on top. And shit, Ben, you're the DM. You should have gotten your book of secrets and gotten this ready. You knew this was coming. You set it up, you fool. <laughs> Let me get my the only thing better secrets. than having Ben play NPCs talking to themselves is having Ben, the DM, talking to Ben, the DM. I, I like when um, Ben squabbles with himself like an old married couple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how the internal conversations in my mind go. So you have the material plane and the Feywild linked. You have the underworld and the shadow plane linked. And you have the elemental plane and the far realm linked. Um, so each plane has a sort of, and, and Agumon goes, well, um, each main plane, the material, the underworld, and the elemental has a minor plane, the Feywild, the shadow, and the far realm. And then right in the middle, you have the ethereal plane. Why did I have to look at that? I, mean, I played d before. <laughs> right in the middle, you have the ethereal plane. And around all of it, you have the astral plane. So astral plane is everywhere. Interior plane in the middle. And then big sections. Material. Underworld. Elemental. Small sections. Feywild. Shadow. Far realm. Make sense? It's as simple as I can make it. It makes sense. Uh, is, yeah, is there any, no. Is there any way you can give us sort of a map we could reference uh, to remember all this and to, to consult when we're confused? Uh, oh, yes, uh, Arlington. I think if we look at our minds onto YouTube Live, the map is right there. I'm more thinking for something to consult for Arlington, the character. I have already taken a screenshot of the map. <laughs> Um, um, of which of which when I would previous guest Ash when I showed her this because as a pixie she kind of knew this she was like oh you've seen Charmed and I was like Charmed and I've since yeah. watched Charmed I'm like oh yes power three cool got it <laughs> yeah Charmed stole it from us we had it first mm-hmm. um, does, doesn't your fancy axe do maps um it does maps uh, of the immediate vicinity. Uh, nothing, you know, plane transcending. Have you tried? No, I mean, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, we. So I've, I have now traveled to three planes. So I assume the Lair's Galaxy is glowing. Um, oh, it's glowing immensely. It's sort of look. I hadn't really paid much attention to it because there was, you know, all the drowning. Um, oh no, for sure the drowning. It, it sort of looks a bit different. I think maybe it sort of would be a bit handier for, for interplanar travel than I might have previously thought. I thought it was just good for mountains. Um, shall we play this game? Yeah, yes. you, you notice, Arlington, if you think about it, um, this will appear on your ma- on your axe. Cool. Um, yeah. But aside from that, it's not like, and it's just a general shape. It's not, it's just a lay of the land. Um well, here's what we were thinking for a game, and the choice is really yours. Um, you can play me, Ogma, the Written Law, in a game of Fihl. You can play um, the Dangda here in a combined drinking contest and a puck fada. Or, and Manon steps in, or lad, you could, um, you could uh, fight each other in combat. Or you could fight 
could, we could have a faction fight or we could have and kind of looks at the other gods and goes you, you didn't tell me actually that I needed to have a challenge set up here fighting um, is always an option uh, two versus four of our local warriors I, uh, excuse, excuse me adventurers huddle and I wave our link it over I um, uh, I I'm no good at board games Oh my 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 God! I, we're not doing the board game. It's and a mental game. I don't. Um, I mean, I I think I could do a pukfada. I don't know if I could do a pukfada after drinking. Um. Now, so so common isn't my first language. Um. Am I to understand that pukfada is? I've seen humans you, doing it. You, you hit a you, take, you hit a ball with a with a flat you, stick. You, you just hit it very very far. Really, really far. Yes. Yes. Okay. We called that head ball. But you didn't have. But if you have a, he- if you do it with your head, it's not a stick. Well, it's not your head. It's sort of. Oh, somebody else's. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. I, I, I sort of grew up with a rough childhood, but I think the the logistics are the same. Um, I think that and the drinking game, I I could do that. I, I'm um, not sure. Uh, I'm not sure I'd keep up with. I could do that and drink. Um. I I think it would be easier to just do a straight fight. Well, do we have a choice between us fighting each other and us fighting their well, let's just fight. Let's just fight them. Um, We've fought together before. Let's just fight them. That seems like the least complicated... I mean, let's, why complicate it any more than it has to be? Let's just... Let's just it, would, it would prove our worth as champions. Let's just, let's just fight together. Let's fight some people and punch people. I don't this, know. If, there, if there's one simple. thing we've learned from this situation, it's that so, social uh, discourse is not our strong suit. No, absolutely not. We were the absolute worst people to have been sent here to do this, but Let's just punch some. We're not good emissaries. I don't know why we're arguing about this. You're completely right. We know what we want to do. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Ogman begins setting up the uh, fail board. He goes, I (laughs) thought you might choose this. (laughs) Um, No, we are for sure going to fight some people. Um, We are very much. uh, Sorry. Yeah, no, we are. That's our. Manon is fist in the air. He's like, I knew I picked the right champions. You're my guides. (laughs) I think we're going to get along famously, Mr. McClear. <laughs> and, and so, um, for anyone interested and for anyone who's part of our Discord, I do have, uh, I got up to this over the weekend, because why wouldn't I? I um, Phil is like a precursor to chess uh, in ancient Irish mythology. I saw this happening really... and I felt bad that as you, were, as you were positing, I was like, we're definitely not choosing that, but I know he's put a lot of work into this. <laughs> yeah. I really haven't. And this is why I haven't. Uh, no one knew how it was played. Which gave no. me a very interesting quandary. I could come up with rules that no one knows how it was played. But then I also had to come up with rules. No one knows how it was played. Yeah, it's a, it uh, is a historic, it, like different, it's mentioned multiple times. So you, they know it was a little like chess from how it is described, but they don't actually know what the rules were. There's a couple of Norse games with a similar board and a similar setup. And I think that's as close as we'll get ever, really. Yeah. Uh, and then side project, I've been trying to funny enough, sports and D&D and tabletop games don't mix. So I've been trying to figure out a way to play like hurling. Uh, what is that? What is that? What is that game? Blood, Bowl? Blood Bowl? Blood Bowl? Yeah. yeah. But also, I think, totally separate does game. not everybody in this do a sport? Does not everybody in this do sport? In this yeah, poll think, right now? I think everyone everyone does some level of sport. Yeah. Because you, you box, right? Yeah, but in the yeah. last year, I don't think it did. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I haven't well, won like, a fight yet. 
Like, oh, don't get me wrong. Like D and D fitness. You don't have, all to, over be, this. You don't have to be uh, good. I just mean mechanically speaking, it's yeah, hard yeah. to run a game uh, with the rules of sport. To be fair, the one sport I participate is more closely implying... related to combat in this game. So, sorry, I misunderstood. I thought you were implying that people who played D and D do not also play sports. Not at all. I mean that the mechanics of sport are hard to transcribe into the mechanical potato. That game. is very true. So I've been trying to do it for hurling and it's almost impossible, but I kind of did it for a puck fall <laughs> because that's a little bit easier uh, because it's yeah, basically like uh, hurling golf um, to put it really terrible. That's not as catchy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a it. terrible way to start. It's, it's a lovely, it's a, it's actually happening in a month's time. Um, so if you're watching live, uh, they are doing the 2020 puck father in September 5th is it's yeah. happening. So keep an eye on the internet for it. Um, but and every school sports day ever. Yes. And to to sort of circumvent the trope of everything ends in combat in D&D, I've tried to do that. But I'm glad you haven't picked those things because they're not playtested. Anyone wants to playtest a game of those? Just come on in. Join your Discord. Um, but yes, I mean, Arlington could well bring the idea of a puck fighter to the group. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun as we, all. I we know. don't ever have to touch it. If I ever combine all my notes into legible other people stuff, and you know how Sunday Ben and Tuesday Ben don't get along, God forbid another audience open to this madness. Um, uh, listen, but ben, then I, I mean, know, I know how to break you. you've, you've basically explained that this is a game of the gods. So down the line, if I find anyone remotely religious and they're like, I challenge you to a something, I'm going to be like, well, this is a religious game. I can use my strength with. Interestingly enough, actually. Arlington. Side note, not relevant now, but relevant in your general story. Ty McGuinness would have tried to teach you fiddle uh, as as a as, as your sort of sophistication. Sense. So you are proficient in that gaming set. So add that to your character sheet, but ignore it for almost forever. And if we get to the Ember <laughs> campaign and you never play it, um, then round on me for all our viewers. That's going to cost a lot. Round on me yeah. for our Discord fans. <laughs> I get to put it into my fucking other proficiencies of languages, along with the panpipes. Yes, you're proficient in panpipes, and I am. I played them at the at the grave of one of the first people I killed. <laughs> Combat notoriously takes a longish time in D anD D, so let's cut to it. Um, yes. They bring you, the three gods bring you down to a wide open pitch. It's clearly used for hurling most of the time, but you can see loose markings and a goalpost at either end, and. As you begin to sort of get about your faction fighting, other people start gathering around. You see Evandra again, the kind of shriveled shell of a woman, um, come along to, to watch the game. Why are you so mean to old people in this game? She's not old. She's just splintered. Um, <laughs> she's just, her very soul has been cut in half. <laughs> so I can't help. I can't help how she is. Um few of the other gods and you see some more kind of giant perspective characters come along not all of them but most of them and um, gather around and you stand 80 feet away from a line of four ancient warriors so you're on one end of the pitch and they're on the other and they begin to charge let's roll initiative let's ride this let's ride this baby home not great that's a six for me <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a 22, please, a uh, Benjamin. <laughs> Very nice. So 20, why is my, oh, here we are. Is this working? 22. Sorry, my mouse is being a prick. 
And then for them, this is my first time because I've, I've set myself a challenge uh, in that I always tend to nerf fights. Fans of the show will know that I get very confused when there's more than one enemy fighting. Um, so I'm trying to do four people at once. And with that in mind, let's move you I mean, if you, give, if you have them all roll the same initiative order and just have them all do other shit at the same time, it takes a lot of the mental burden off you. Yes, but I'm purposely challenging myself to embrace that mental burden. Um, so, with that in mind, Quail, you are first off the mark as these four warriors, all in sort of cloaked garb. Uh, they seem to be a mix of, uh, two of them are carrying uh, morning stars and swords, or kind of like melee weapons, and two of them are carrying uh, longbows. So there seems to be two close range, two long range so yeah. I'm going to pick one of the long range ones and run right at them. My speed is 45. Your speed is 45. You are yeah. 80 feet away. Are we so, also in a realm? Can, can she boost her speed by thinking I, in this realm? No, but I can boost it as a monk. No, I'm thinking because we're in a realm where you can true. think, you can move to think, move by thinking. Yeah, but my actual speed is much better than my intelligence. I'm trying to add to that, but fair enough. Oh, okay. Arlington, you've brought up a very good point, and and I hesitate to bring it up for brevity's sake, but technically speaking, your actual speed in the astral plane isn't your speed. It is your intelligence amount of it's your intelligence score times three. Uh, that's that's base uh, D and D rules, uh, but it is twenty to eleven at night. We are in yeah. a big fight, and we're we're we're. we're we're doing stuff for the sake of believing in it. So let's just go <laughs> regular non-astral plane rules. Oh, there's what the is an astral plane fight. There is yeah. the t-shirt. We're doing stuff for the sake of believing in it. Let's yeah. finish. Let's send this home. So yeah. I would like to run 45 feet. Then yes. use one key point to step of the wind, run another 45 feet right up to a longbow dude. And I'm going to attack said dude. Yes. Make your uh, attacks. So that, um, so I'm using my fishing rod two-handed. Yes. Um, sixteen. Sixteen is just the AC, and I always forget this. You hit because you make the AC, correct? correct. Yes. 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 Target you reach. Yeah. Um, so that is um, eight damage on the first attack. I hit again. Um. I missed the second time. Mm -hmm. And then as a Fearbulg racial trait for my bonus action, I am going to turn invisible. Wow. Nice. So, Arlington, from your point of view, you see Quail just bucket down this pitch towards what is the furthest enemy away. And you see what a real big crack of the side of a fishing rod. It slams an enemy. They are so stunned that they kind of wobble back. And as that second, what would have been a perfect strike, just misses by sheer delusion. You see Quail disappear. Um, it is one of the warriors' turns. And they look around to see if they can find Quail. Because as they started to sprint, they realized that someone had just <laughs> sped right by them. They can't seem to find her. So they use all their movement to move as far as they can towards you, Arlington. So you see this warrior with shield and sword in hand, just sort of like very, whew, just like very pristinely 
like they're not dashing they're not like they're not raging they're not like letting any of the adrenaline and battle overtake them they just start jogging towards you and as they do they sort of twiddle their sword in their hand in a light attempt at intimidation but you're not intimidated uh the warriors with the longbow one of them in front of you quail is trying to find you and it can't and it's just going to let off a, a, an arrow in panic which is with disadvantage disadvantage doesn't stack um but i presume a 12 doesn't hit Hitting quail or quail or me? Hitting quail, 12. So it's trying to find you and just sort of fire off an arrow. Oh, a 12 does not very, very much not hit me. So as it it stumbles back, just a... And this arrow just soars over the crowd and into a hut in the distance. And the crowd go... Because this sort of chaos is what they're all about. Um, And you've got the crowd on your side. They're they're in favor of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, They're here for the spectacle. It's been a... line up beside their left-hand side. They're waiting for Quail to... They're going to hold their action and wait for Quail to appear to attack. Arlington, okay. it is your turn. It is a... It is a maelstrom of activity from the get-go. There wasn't an air horn. There wasn't a crowd. There wasn't a let's-go heroes. <laughs> it was just chaos from the get-go. As is most war. Um, you are at the starting line 80 feet away. But one of the warriors has run towards you, uh, and they are, uh, they used two of their movements, I guess. Uh, so they are now 20 feet away from you. Okay. So there's just one, the, it's sword and shield he's, he's rock. Is it two wearing sword and shield and two longbows? Is that it? Yes. So one of the longbows is still at the 80 foot mile. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, all of them have moved about 10 feet because the kind of battle yeah, started so, with so, them. Sorry, I'm just going to get the total number, and then one of yeah. the sword and shield guys is within 20 feet of me. Absolutely. Okay, uh, I'm going to run direct. I mean, my yeah, my speed is forty, so I'm going to run twenty feet. Uh, I'm going to just crack him uh, in the chest with the with the lair skull axe. Uh, I'm going to make this attack reckless, so I have advantage. Like Andrea Core would have wanted all along. She would have wanted it that way. Uh, that is a nineteen to hit. A nineteen does hit. Fantastic. Um, so that is an 8 plus 4. That's 12 slashing damage. I should point out that the Lariscal Axe has been to three planes of existence. Therefore, oh, yes. it is awakened. 
Um, so, I did actually factor that in, so that's got the extra plus two to hit. And it's also a two D twelve weapon because fuck it, we're we're all powerful beings taking on an archfey in the regular campaign, and um, so you do have a D twelve two D twelve attack. It's madness. 2D12. I will regret this later. Yeah, two D twelve. It doubles its attack because so, uh, so I have a plus. So it's a plus two axe, which means I have plus two to hit and plus two damage, or is it just plus two to hit and then? Wes, can you hear that? It's it's other DMs screaming at your mind. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but okay. I like I like this weapon. And it was made for dwarves to keep themselves extra safe when they were like 500 feet and 1,000 feet underground. Ben, I got a 12. So that is 24 damage. 24 damage. Delightful. Uh, So Arlington... Yeah. uh, Like Elton John, still standing. Uh, Arlington dashes forward and and you hurl the Lariskull axe out of your hand. Boom! And it, it, it strikes right between where the shield and sword is. And before you even finish your movement, you're up and you're holding the haft of that axe and you're ready to just reef it out. And it's reefing it out of this warrior that deals that extra damage. And the crowd is ecstatic. This is the most excitement they've ever seen in a long time, ever since Lou Lovata has come to the Hill of Tara. And you see Lou. He's a bugbear with long arms. Going, yeah! I knew you got a buddy. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> um, you just gave him fucking long arms. I should have seen that coming. Yeah. Long arms. You know who I am. He's the bugbear. He's the bugbear. We saw it earlier. I know. Oh no, I picked up on that, and I'm very happy about it. But I, I just did. all I can yeah. focus on is Lou Long Arms. Yeah. Uh, and and for the sake of weaving beer in, someone from the crowd goes, "Yeah, fuck him up." Fuck up, Hickey the Rake. And you realize that you were facing off against oh, Hickey the Rake. killing Hickey the Rake? Okay. Hickey the Rake, of all people. Uh, barely standing. Okay. Like, like, then I'm going to use my... Like, like, almost crying, like a child embarrassed in a playground. Like, Hickey's not doing well. Then, uh, seeing he's weak, and I'm going to, like, when I rip out the axe, I'm going to spin around 360 and kind of, like, try and lop his head off with the, with the second attack. Yes. And... Good thing I have advantage, because that was a two. Nice. That is a 25 to hit. Why did you... Oh, Reckless. Yeah, yeah. Reckless, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 25 hits. Because I just wanted to, Ben. <laughs> uh, so that is... Oh, yeah. Three At half ten in Irish time, rules go out the window. It's just players get to be heroes. Uh, yeah. Uh, that is a total of 12 damage for the second attack. Yes. You... Are you looking to... To kill this astral warrior, or just to uh, embarrass this astral warrior? No, I'm looking to kill him. I want I want Manon to know that I'm a I'm a hardcore strong boy because we know that he values strength. Mm. And for killing blows, um, what do you think Arlington's killing blow would be? Uh, I think it's just like kind of he's he's grabbed the axe from the chest, pulls it out, spins around, and just kind of like in one movement, like full like. Um, Highlander style, like just lopping the head off, like one clean movement. Right. It's not like he's not trying to he's not trying to cause a significant amount of pain. It's just like a quick death. So so the crowd see this and, and Quail, you get the assumption from the general atmosphere that Arlington and I, if you don't mind, I'm gonna add this a little bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. You walk you you step beyond this warrior and acts behind you, uh cleft. Uh, like Macbeth, cleft them in twain, but in twain, not vertically, neckly. 
Uh, you cleft this, this uh, warrior in twain, chopping their neck, neck clean off. Um, if this was a video game, it would have been a kill cam. It's a real game. There's a kill cam. Uh, so Arlington steps beyond, acts behind, and just sort of, like an elbow with a blade, whoosh, chops that neck off. Neck tumbles to the ground. And you can see that there is three warriors left, two clumped together, one by itself taking aim at you. Quail, you are invisible. Sorry, before we move away from my turn, how far away is the one taking aim at me? Uh, You've moved 20, it moved 10. So 70 to 20, 50 feet away. Uh, I'm going to use, I have 20 feet of movement left. I just want to keep sprinting towards that guy. Yeah, you keep sprinting and you turn it into 50 feet. He was was 50 feet away, so I'm 30 feet. Sorry, you turn it into 30 feet, correct. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to close the distance for my next turn. So yeah, I'm thirty feet away from him then. I just like keep. I want to like almost in like the same movement, like lop this lad's head off and just keep sprinting past him. Uh, from the side and the audience see this, but you don't. Manon's like, Jesus, that's pretty fucking brutal. I didn't actually think. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, that's that's gonna get yeah, me. Yeah, Quail's also like, shit. I don't know if we were meant to actually fucking kill them, but all right, okay. Uh, Quail. Top of the round, it is your turn. You are in front of one of the longbowed uh, warriors who is just panicked. Um, yes, yeah, so there's different. two of them in front of me, right? Because one of them ran up to Yes, one of them sort of the stepped archer. aside. Yes. So That's invisible, correct. I'm going to very quietly like back up a little bit and I want to put about 10 feet between me and the swordsman. They do get a, an attack of opportunity with disadvantage because they're just, okay. they sort of sense the... Yeah, the, the movement. Uh, the movement, I believe. Um, ooh, that's fine. Um, so that is seven. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> Nothing but air. So backs up about 10 feet just out of range of this person. Now, if I was to have a 30-foot area of effect, could I get the two of these people and the third archer or just the two? I think you could get all three. With a okay. little bit of movement, you might sacrifice. So you say it takes 10 feet away from your movement. You might need yeah. to take another five just to That's make sure That's fine. I'm not overly fussed about that. Um, well, then I need all of them to make dexterity saving throws, aiming oh, for a 15. All right. So I'm going to go. Um, blue is yeah. our longbow who we weren't attacking. Metal is our close range. And black is our long range that you were attacking. Uh, all of them are bad, so I don't know why I pointed that out to the audience. Uh, but a five, a four, and a five with dexterity plus two each, seven, six, and seven. Okay, Not so great. they all fail. Uh, so they all take um, 20, I think it's bludgeoning damage. Yeah, they all take 20 bludgeoning damage each. Wowee. As I adjust my little... Uh, Excel spreadsheet. Uh, what is happening? So this is um. So what happens is that invisible quail like quickly backs up out of this guy's way and then like kind of focuses on like the 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 sea and the water and what she's looking at. And then this like basically this wave of water comes out of nowhere and just fucking crushes these dudes. Um. And she reappears the second this happens. And she's sort of like, whew, oh, that really takes it out of you. Um, 
and uh, I've used about 15 feet of my movement. Yeah. So, um, so in that, just to resolve what's, what, what has happened, um, yeah. the longbow archer that you were attacking originally yeah. is just pummeled to the ground with this wave of, of force. And it's just like, oh, oh, oh. to be honest, it would be better if I just played dead. <laughs> and is is down for the purpose of this fight. Okay. So then but the but the melee fighter is still there. Melee fighter is still up. Uh longbow fighter to your side is still up. Okay, but Arlington's on that. So I um run I use the rest of my movement to run up to the melee fighter. And mm-hmm. then I'm gonna use another key point, flurry of blows for two unarmed attacks. So point of information i don't know enough you you'll probably tell me this is fine but for yeah. flurry of blows do you need to take the attack action and then flurry of yeah blows? this this isn't a i think it is an attack action because it's an it's a it's a it's a ranged attack spell so what i was don't it, know out of curiosity water whip oh water whip cool, or cool, something cool. like i can know it's not water whip it's another spell like this it's a monk thing it's like my elemental monk thing i don't really right. you're a monk of the elements gotcha, and gotcha, they gotcha. don't give it to you like the normal spells they give it to you with reflavored so then you've got to look up the details and it's very confusing hey i tell you what this is a perfect opportunity for a don't be that gygax award because <laughs> if we've gotten it wrong which you can is very possible because they yeah. they rename all the spells for the monk stuff but they are the same as regular spells it's just they've given it a different name and it's more confusing they're just not classified please, as please, spells please. or whatever uh, yeah. yeah do get in touch if if flurry blows doesn't bounce and stack off uh, an elemental thing do let me know um, that is rollforhomebrewgmail.com. This is where you correct me. If you're annoyed at the show because we get rules wrong, it's on you. We have an open channel for you to let us know when we get rules wrong. Um, so let us know. I think it's more likely I wasn't supposed to hit that many people at once. Then I'm not <laughs> lucky as Flurry of Blows. There could be something happening. We are we are rushing towards the, the end of the stream. Well, I'm going to punch him in the face. Yeah, punch him in the I face. Rolled an, I rolled a 19, so that's a 26 <laughs> to punch him in the face. <laughs> Is this, uh, sorry, was this the longbow or the long sword? Long sword guy. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so that's um, that's seven punch in the face damage. Um, it's a very specific type of damage. It is. And then, oh, I didn't roll so great that time. That's... Um, uh, that's only a 14 for the second punch. So this makes sense um, in terms of order of information because Quail, from the spectator's point of view, disappeared, reappeared a couple of feet away and then just sort of like splashed out water. And in this, um, there are a couple of boos from the crowd. They're like, boo, cheating, what? No, not fair. Uh, and there's a couple of like, yeah, Fucking whatever, whatever rules. Rule of cool, baby. <laughs> As both this invisible makeshift imaginary crowd and our actual audience <laughs> take their side. Um, but you get the feeling that that last little punch to your water whip was actually Einvar who just sort of sprung up and was just like, yeah, water. <laughs> happy to be part of the fight because you guys are buds. And yeah. And as you run up, yeah. you just give like a, an uppercut to the chin and knock this longshore warrior on their absolute ass. And you try to do like a little kind of like tap jab. They're already down. That's seven of damage. That was their hit points. So no wonder you miss. 
they don't exist anymore. That's how D&D <laughs> works. They burst into a pile of coins. Um, but they, <laughs> yeah, they, they stumble down and you just sort of think, no damage, but enough of a hit to tip them on the ground. It is our fierce and loyal and remaining longbow archer left, who now has quail in his sights and Arlington and looks towards the stands. Oh, wait, sorry. Can I do one more oh. thing before I end my turn? Absolutely. I just I just wanted you to describe those things because I'm going to use one more key point to do patient defense. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Right. Um, and as you put your hands up in arrow catching pose, uh, <laughs> the longbow uh, warrior goes, mm, "You're not going to touch that." And <laughs> takes aim, takes aim at Arlington, while at the same is time, try- is she getting ready to catch it? <laughs> Oh, I can catch it, bitch! Try to throw back in the worst... Uh, you get the feeling yeah. it's not the first time they've had a projectile thrown back at them. Uh, that might be part of their training. Um, but this longbow archer and warrior takes aim at Arlington and fires an arrow for AC 14. Uh, doesn't hit, but he does have advantage because I did reckless attack. He does have advantage. AC 14, exact same roll twice. And does not hit. I specifically uh, block it with uh, my shield. As it mixes, as it misses, uh, this archer looks towards Manon McLear, whose whose moniker is on your shield and who's in the in the stands and goes, oh, come on, man. Like, is this a setup? Is this because yeah. I didn't bring you whale? Is this because we had that little tip? This is an unfair way of punishing people who are just trying to make up. Honest living as a war here by putting them against heroes. I'm out of practice. It's been 2,000 years since I've done this shit. You can't just call me up from the bench. Uh, and that's the end of its turn as it rants to the crowd. Disappointed. Like uh, Michael Jordan without Scotty Pippen doesn't have his A game and, and is willing to just throw the game. Uh, Arlington, your turn. <laughs> Longbow Warrior. As I, as I left yells, it, that I've, I've seen the long dance. One. Don't be what? Why not? Don't be had this one. Um, okay. So I'm 30 feet away from this guy, I think. 30 feet away? Yeah. So I've got 40 speed, so I sprint up to him, hiding behind the shield. Um, I'm gonna... Is he, is he a sturdy enough looking guy? The, the, the first... Bowman went down pretty easily when Quail knocked his, the shit out of him. He's not scarred and he's not necessarily wounded. He's just like physiologically. Does he, does he look like a tough hot. enough lad? Oh yeah, all of them were pretty built. Um, like uh, like they were sturdy, athletic-looking people. But with this warrior, you get the feeling, and you've you've recognised this sometimes before. It's not that they're, um, it's not that they're necessarily weakened. They've just lost the spirit of fighting. Uh, and this is something I like to do in Homebrew, where like HP doesn't necessarily represent like dying. It's just like a morale of fighting is just yeah, they're right from this body. Yeah, they're like this is a this is a loseless battle. Um, loseless? That's not a no, word. that's winless. And the opposite of what you meant too. Yeah, I'll never lose. They <laughs> <laughs> spring. <laughs> <laughs> He's got no fear of dying. I have to take his head. Um, Even if it was yeah. a word, it would be the opposite of the words you were looking for. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna sprint over this guy and uh, hearing Quail's recommendation, I'm gonna crack him straight in the face with the flat of my layer skull axe. I'm trying to non-lethal attack this motherfucker, but it's also gonna be reckless. <laughs> you can attack. 
You're looking for an AC 16. Uh, that is 18 to hit. You do hit it. Crack. Crack, bang. Is it regular D12 damage? 2D12? Oh, yeah, the haft of an axe. Probably just 1D12. Yeah, uh, because it's... I think that's... Yeah, yeah. If not, like, even 1D8. Like, it's I, not, yeah, it's I don't think it should be full damage. Because, I'm like, I'm thinking, yeah. like, the like the flat of the axe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... So let's say 1D8, like, a regular one-handed axe. As Wes pointed out to me, he's, Wes is such a good player, he said, like, one-handed axes aren't normally 1D12. And I said, you're a barbarian! Come on, man. I was like, I fucking love it, but that seems crazy repaired. Uh, yeah, so cool. 1D, 1D8. Cool, plus so that is uh, 2 plus 4, that's 6 damage. Yeah, you you pretty much, like, stun this, like, right where they tell you as a child not to hit someone with the palm of the hand because it could kill them. That's where you hit this person. Remember that rumor? Uh, boom. But they are still No, stunned. I hit loads of people. Like right there, didn't they say it would go yeah, into your yeah. brain? I can't remember that. Yeah, it's a yeah. grossly inaccurate old wives tale. But yes, I I I'm good with aiming for there though. Yeah, you aim for there, boom, and you crush some cartilage into their astral skull. Uh, still standing though, just uh, I will use my extra <laughs> attack. Please, please, no more. Oh God, just I I yield. Uh, okay, still just push him over. Like a, it's, Sorry, they say it through a bloody nose, so it's like, so you don't understand what the meaning okay. of it. Yeah, I don't think I could hear him. It's a 16 for the second attack. 16 just hits. The eight is going to be, <laughs> it's nine damage. I'm still going non-lethal, like I'm still trying not to kill him. Sorry. You can tell um, that another crack here would be really lethal. I'm going back of the head then, I think. Yeah, yeah. So you just hook them. You just hook with the with the flat of the axe and just drag them into the mud. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Just pin them rather than... Yeah. Uh, they are down. Uh, the crowd go wild. And they're like, oh man, Hickey the Rape deserved that. But those other three, they were our friends. Nice. <laughs> I killed the only guy who was a dick. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so... They're they're happy and and like all uh, like all astral warriors and Saiyans, they'll only be stronger the next time they get up. That's mm-hmm. how the game works. Um, there's cheering. They don't know your names, so they're just like warriors, warriors, because <laughs> they don't know what to call you. If there's a name to call you in this moment in time, uh, perhaps like Johnny Fallen. Not a great, not a great. No, it doesn't really work in know. this context. Uh... Quill runs up and like vaults onto Arlington's shoulders and is like, "Yeah!" It has finally stopped flop sweating. <laughs> is there so is there a name that, that, that we can you that they that. can start they can start waving on flags that don't exist until now? Um, uh, 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 it's a shame we quite high. Uh, beefy uh, and stretch. Beefy. Beefy and stretch. And stretch. Here's the fun thing about homebrew. We name NPCs based on beers that exist. But here's a fun thing for brewers. You can name beers based on things we shed out. So beefy and stretch. No one is going to drink beefy and stretch. It sounds like an ailment for your crotch. (laughs) You never know. Beefy and stretch could be a lovely, lovely porter. (laughs) It really isn't. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, as a player, I'm very okay with going with beefy and stretch. 
<laughs> Sharky and George vibe. Yeah, I was yeah. going for like Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Nice. Uh, I'd be for that, but I know I'd just be Hooch. <laughs> <laughs> is what you Hooch at least is alcohol, so you know that's true. You did your best, uh, but it's beef, also a beefy stretch. A dog. <laughs> um, the the crowd go wild. They start shouting, "Beefy and stretch, beefy and stretch, beefy and stretch." Uh, and as you I, make way, they make that up because they don't know our names. Because Quail definitely wouldn't have thought of that. That was an all Orla moment. Oh, it came from um, Orla of all the mythical Irish characters who exist in the world. So we have the two of the Danon. We also have mm-hmm. Lou Lovata, Coo Cullen's here, uh, Cormac McArts here, Conkabar, Queen Maeve. All all the A-listers are all here in the Hill of Tara because that's how this game works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which one? Uh, which even one the bowls. Yeah, yeah. Which one comes who, up with beefy and stretch? Who comes up with beefy and stretch? Um... I'm going to go with Maka. Maka comes up with Beefy and Stretch. Because she's like, uh, uh, of the like, you know, war type one, she's like the jock. So I feel like, you know, fastest woman alive, track star. She's for sure giving people dumb jock nicknames. It's Maka. I love it. I love it. that, And and the reason it's spread so well is that a a series of... uh, crows and ravens disperse themselves among the crowd and just kind of whisper in the shoulder is like beefy and stretch, beefy and stretch. It has to be beefy and stretch. And Maka is part of a trio goddess of the Morrigan. Um, so so she splits herself in three and disperses herself amongst the crowd because she is in this pantheon, the god of death. She's our version of the wa- raven, the waven queen. Waven queen. The raven queen. She's um, very scared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the raven queen! <laughs> often depicted in video games and such as a very sexy character just a regular human god person here we're not going to overly sexualize the morrigan that trope is dead and old um also, so yeah i i've now just, canonically made maka a jock so yes, yes. I, yeah. just in there now she's butch yeah if we could just convert all the the god the female god of death characters to not be femme fatale sexualized women to just be just jacked track stars they're I'm just very, all jacked I'm which very okay with that. the it makes sense say, like properly jacked like there was no I mean, discrimination between men and women in terms of warrior status and bridget was not like what did forge like you don't do you don't do forging without like guns yeah, no one. There's, there's, you don't trust a scrawny blacksmith. Nobody, nobody trusts a scrawny blacksmith. That's insane. Listen here, nerds. If you hate The Last of Us Part Two, you're gonna hate this show because all our women are jacked. Get over it. <laughs> I don't think we've met any non-muscular females actually. I think they've they've been fairly jacked. Except, I mean, no, sorry, except for Iggy, they're either absolutely jacked or yeah, frail old true. women that can't take care of themselves. Or Iggy. Or Iggy, she's the go. That's why she's special. That's why she's special. She's an artist. You don't have to be a jock to succeed in life. That's our you other know. lesson. No, there's no delineation um, between the arts and sciences and the jocks come together in harmony. You make your way off the uh, field and and you go up to Manon McLear. Manon McLear is busy in conversation with Maka uh, and with the Ogma and with the Dagda and a couple of other gods who are here. Uh, I have a note of this. Let me just quickly check. Some of them aren't. Some of them are doing their own stuff because they're independent gods. Um, 
but let me consult the tree of deities because we're going tree of deities here. The Dagda and the Morgan are here. Uh, Avandra's here. She's off to the side. Ogma's here. Uh, Breed and Manna McLear are here. And Kaliot, the god of decay, is here. And as you approach, they seem to be having pretty offensive conversations about you two in the sense of that they are talking about trading you like heroes, like to put out to stud. They're like, oh, please, please give me quail. If I could get quail, then when she's down there, we can make more heroes, heroes score. If I could get if I could get Arlington, Arlington's going to make like it's like this only gets stronger when it's grandfather, father, son. And like they are all really excited. This is the most activity you've seen in the Hill of Tower since you've arrived. Which makes sense, because you wouldn't have seen any activity before you arrived. Um, but uh, they are animated. And Manon separates them all out and steps towards you and goes, Jesus Christ, that was fierce impressive, to be honest. Didn't think you could take on our warriors. Uh, what do you have down there, Fina? Yeah, where to the Dunning? A little bit notch above, but neither here nor there. Listen, we'll send you back home. I can send you back home right now. And I want to tell you, I am impressed. Quail? Quail, was it? If you want, Envar can go with you. You can have Envar in the material plane. Set up a boat, yeah? a horse. That's, pre- that's pretty good. A, a horse that's, that can, he, if he can still swim as good as he can now, that's pretty good. It's not really swimming, but yes. And to be perfectly honest, that wasn't my choice. Anvar actually came to me while you're fighting and said, "Would you? Would you mind?" <laughs> but he's framing it like he's doing us a favor. But yeah, I mean, I, actually, I, I do have someone to find, so Anvar would be a big help. And speaking of, um, look, I don't normally mention previous talent with current talent, and and this bugbear walks up and it is Lou Lavada. And he points across to your uh, fishing rod and goes, actually, Quail, if you wouldn't mind, could I have a look at that? Oh, yeah, sure. And he holds it. And as he as he works his hands along it, it turns into a very simple spear. And he spins it around himself and goes, you know, I thought this looked familiar. I kind of wondered where I left it. Anyway, it's yours now. And he hands it back and it's a fishing rod. And you are currently holding Lou's spear. Uh, one of the treasures of the two of Dunan, which never misses, uh, which would actually explain why, as a fisherman, you just always caught fish. You were like, oh. so good. I was a really good fisherman. Um, if you need, that can actually transform into anything you want. Like, you know, think of it like the astral plane. You think of moving, and it can be that weapon. So, you know. Oh. You just need to, just need to rely on your intelligence modifier. I'm, I mean, to be honest, I'm pretty good at hitting people with a stick, so I'm kind of on it with that, but I mean, I'll, I'll give it some... Maybe I'll just develop an imagination. Yeah. And uh, here, my lad, Arlington. Um, Ooh. I'll be watching over you. And all of you, really. Um, you and your... Um, didn't really look too much into what you call your party of heroes. Oh, don't, that's, don't that's for the best. No no, just, no, just, no, don't really go by a name. That's fine, don't worry about it. Just group, whatever. It's, it's Friends, really. Labels. Casual Friends. acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm so sorry. What was, your, what was your name? Didn't catch it. Are you talking to the, the bugbear? Talking to Lou, yeah. 
I mean, uh, I, the player, know his name, but I don't think yeah. Arlington ever. Ah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm Lou Lavada, Lou of the long arms. On account of my really long, long arms. arms. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, you've got uh, us. You've got us. There they just, are. On it's just I've never, I've never met a bugbear that wasn't well, a, a ravenous vagrant. Um, this is new for me. Um, I've never met a, a bugbear that wasn't covered in blood and and disgusting and violent. And, and, in fairness, uh, you showed us in me yesterday. Things have got a little uh, messy on the material plane, maybe. And no, bugbears are, you know, we're just multifaceted. I don't want to tell any other bugbear how to live. As much as bugbears didn't tell me how to live, my long arms have become pretty useful in uh, pretty much every skill ever. That's my thing. I'm the best at everything. Look it up, it's true. Well, it's it's good to know that it's not always the way my people have been. It's maybe it's just we've taken a wrong turn. It's good. It's good to know it's not ingrained in our DNA, and that one day we all can all have wrong. Excuse me. Have you met all bugbears? I've met several. Just the ones in your click. Uh, my my, an organization I grew up with and and rival gangs and any any bugbears I'd meet in the wild were usually quite violent and aggressive and I, I so rarely if ever meet them in, in civilized society well there was that time on the boat but they were kind of mean to you too there was that well they were surprisingly civil now that I think about it perhaps I'm yeah told. those guys on the boat were kind of cool they were alright but I thought they were the exception I'm sort of readjusting my worldview. You, it's sort of I'm trying to piece it together I'm trying to do better you know Lou leans over to Manon and goes, and you can hear it, but he's trying to... Manon, like, where are my ancestors? Oh, well, they're over in the outskirts of Costa. Have you been to Costa, Arlington? Um, I can't say that I have, no. Well, the bugways there are... Um, like, don't get me wrong, they're warriors, and he gives you a couple of digs on the arm. No, well, no. They're also, you know, good-natured folks. Oh. Um, well, that's uh, that's probably the most useful information I've received this entire trip. I'll, thank you very much, Lou. I, I thoroughly appreciate it. Uh, here, lad, I literally told you we're a high king of Hibernia. Like, and don't get me wrong. Also, <laughs> also super, now, actually, super, super useful. In you know, it's, well, okay, it's been an eye-opening trip. How, let's say that. Actually, lad, I didn't finish where I was sort of leaving off. Uh, I was thinking that uh, I might just kind of keep an eye over you just a little bit. Make sure you don't. Look, it's not me keeping an eye over you. It's you having an access to me. So should you ever need an aspect of my helper wisdom? wisdom. <laughs> Sorry, I've been drinking games and that. You can't oh, help us, can you? It's a big day, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's good. Great for the town. Um, but look, whisper <laughs> whisper to the wind, and you know, an aspect of me will be by your side. Just to and... be a dick, uh, Quail like conjures a little gust of wind like around Arlington's head and makes him think it's something else happening. Like, <gasps> oh, this is absolutely magical. 
This is making me believe in magic again. Didn't you just tell me that the reason you're here is because there was like a guy who's just oh, I'm mad? Quill makes eye contact. Of magic. Yes. For the first time, makes eye contact with Manon and McLear and just goes, don't. It's, don't. It's, it's not worth it. Well, uh, let's get back home, shall we? Uh, Quail, woo, mm-hmm. give me a second. And he thinks, and you can feel, and Mananen of all the gods has the closest connection to the material plane. Um, in in this group, anyway. And he goes, well, I can send you back to your boat in those sort of terraformed marshlands. They've turned it into a city. Jesus, that's impressive. Oh, loads of them worship me there. I should pay more attention to that city, actually. I can I send you back lovely. to this elven. Yeah, it's, it's an elven city of uh, Drift. I can send you back there, or I can send you um, well, almost anywhere in the material plane, really. Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a boat that I'm looking for. It's called Atlantean, Son of the Sea. <laughs> ah, with the white um, hag at the very helm. Yes, I can send yeah. you there. Um... Give me a second. Well, I could, I could go, I could go. To you should really go check on the others, should, but, Iggy and Hawk and Rian. Me. I mean, mm. they they need you, Arlington, and you should make sure that they're okay. And tell them that I'm okay. You know, make sure that they're not worried. That Hook doesn't need to feel bad. You know, that he didn't hurt me or anything. Yes, I'll tell them that they, that you're all right. Thank you. This, this this could have been the moment where two shows splintered out every afternoon and Tuesday <laughs> <laughs> with the ferocious duo and those idiots. <laughs> but hey, it's not the case. Someone needs to guide them home, Wes. And I say Wes, not Arlington. Wes. Someone needs just, to guide them home. My, all my downtime will be spent writing letters, just asking, like, is Quail there yet? It's it, I heard Quail. She's she sleeps around. <laughs> Not to be trusted. Just ask the right questions in the right moment. Um, and Manolin kind of twirls around his hands. And Quail, you feel yourself uh, turn into water. And then just... Just, just before Quail starts to like be affected by magic. I, I don't want to do it while she's in the middle of it in case I lose a hand. But I want to reach out and give her like a little bit of a fist bump. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> See you later, Beefy. See you soon. You... Um, you, that Fresh. surface tension of water, you pop with your wrist pump. <laughs> oh, I killed her! Oh my god, I killed her! Uh, and and Einvar goes with you. Uh, yeah. Oh shit, pirates have a horse that can ride across the... Oh, Ben, what have you done? Anyway. So terrifying to see if you're riding your ship like this fucking furry blue woman riding a horse in the ocean. <laughs> anyway. Arlington, uh, Manon turns to you and goes, oh, 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 Jesus. So you came from the other world. Do you want to return to, you surely don't want to return to the other world. Uh, No, the material plane would, but roughly the same place as, if you could, can you, can you send me to specific people in the material plane? Uh, he's putting on, you can tell as he kind of rubs his fingers, he's doing what um, parents sometimes do, which is like pulling their own thumb off as if it's more painful than it actually is. Mm. It's, oh, this was a tough one, lad. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Get ready. Ooh, ooh. I'm ready. I if I can do it. Are you okay? Don't no. exert yourself too much. No, I can do that. I can do this. 
and, and one of the doctor tries to sell the joke as well. So, Mananun, please, please don't do this again. Um, oh my goodness, please, just be, don't, don't hurt yourself. Two planes at once, two planes at once. I can do this. Before you go, um, this journey, oh shit, I should have told Quail. This journey <laughs> could come to come with some disorientation. <laughs> anyway, look, a good long sleep will help restore any lingering memories of you being here. Tell you, night sleep does you wonders. And Arlington, just before you bump back, you feel yourself both physically and mentally exhausted. You realize that this entire time you've had to concentrate on both moving around and also keeping Grud at bay. And that constant barrier you've kept up, shielding yourself from rage and those base desires has started to crumble. The cage you keep Grud in is beginning to break down. And like the pulsing of your quickened heart, you can hear it beating against the walls. Boom, boom. And you can hear Grud just like smashing his way out of what you've been trying to contain him in. And just before you return to your rightful home in the material plane, that mental barrier gives way and shatters. And you gasp as a separated version of yourself. You feel both aspects of your personality break. And you first come back as Eremon, son of Milispania. And almost like a vacuum pulling yourself into your own mind. You feel yourself sucked back into the cage you've built for Grud. And your personalities are switched. Eremon is behind the cage and Grud is free. No. And that is where we will end this episode of Homebrew. We oh. did it, guys. Nice. We made it to the end. Um... Before we end the show, Orla, we mentioned this earlier, but where can viewers find you if they if they if they've got if they're not filled up on Quail, but they also want other characters you play and other shows you do, uh, where might they go? Um. Okay. So hi, I'm Orla. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at naturally Orla, um, and pretty much everything else. Um, at the moment, the um only other show i'm on is escape the union which is a pre-prequel to the god's fall podcast um and prequel to the rise of the demigods show that we're running at the moment in which i play amity the demigod of redistribution who is based whose full name is amity marx and is functionally the demigod of marxism but um i have to change it because obviously marx doesn't canonically exist in this universe because amity is marx so it's how I got away with that particular Robin Hood character. Um, uh, but I'm locked in a big t- scary tower of death with gods trying to kill me. But it's a lot of fun. And if you are watching this for the first time, uh, please do follow us. You'll see our social channels pretty much all this direction. Uh, they're on the, the sidebar. If you already follow us, um, but you want to help us grow this community, we are a sort of fuck around show. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't have big ambitions for it. So please do tell your friends if you are part of the lovely Tabletop community. Share us around. Um, if you're watching this and you think, well, look, how can I how can I help bolster this 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 weird Irish boozy off the rails doesn't really go anywhere, but at the same time it goes everywhere all at once kind of show, um, then tell your friends. 
tell your nerdy friends, tell them to watch along, host watch parties, um, host VOD parties, chat about us. But when you chat about us, undoubtedly you'll be like, they fucked this up. I know they fucked this up. That's where our Discord comes in. So join our Discord, tell us where we've made mistakes, and, and just join in the general reverie of both Irish mythology, booze in general, and, and tabletop collective storytelling. I am legit sweating after that episode. This is the first time as a DM where I'm like physically exhausted. So uh, a lot of plates. But that was lovely. That was a really nice way to, uh, for the first time in a long time, for the first time in forever, Elsa might say, um, or one of the other frozen sisters, uh, all the gods kind of got to introduce themselves, which is delightful uh, because beyond everything that's happening on stream, there's a whole pantheon of stuff happening. Uh, so if there's any DMs out there that want to chat, I would love to chat as well. Uh, this is my first time ever running a campaign. This is the sign for campaign. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a campaign. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it just builds and builds and builds and builds. Um, but before we go, if there's only one thing we do, follow Dublin Dragons, follow Homebrew Quest, and, and follow both of our adventures as we sort of uh, rocket ship off on t- to 2021, when hopefully there's a lot more cons, and we can actually be out there and say hello in person. That's kind of our dream. Uh, yeah, that we 2021, can when... Dublin and Dragons returns from its never-ending extension hiatus. Oh, look, like, there was a global pandemic. <laughs> don't don't be hard on yourself. Um, we want to kind of get out there. You some, some. Yeah, exactly. Uh, tell us what you're drinking just in general throughout your week. Um, until then, we'll be back in two weeks with the full cast. Look after yourselves. Be kind to one another. Be sound. Good night. And joy be with you all. Should be two, you all, right? Uh, technically, in the Clancy Brothers, should I be with you all? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. This has been the Homebrew Quest podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.